0: This week we read, The Final Problem. Where we find out when they said don't go chasing waterfalls, they meant it.
1: The game is afoot, all my buddies. Welcome back to The Final Problem. Um, I'm your host Nicholas Cohen, and joining me is my very good friend and comrade Casey Hills, who who, who apparently has been taking hairstyling t- tips from Tintin. How are you it's doing, true. Casey? <laughs>
0: I'm Belgian as hell, my friend. Right. <laughs> I've got so many pockets for syrup.
1: <laughs> I uh, I really need you to eventually read Tintin because you will get such a kick out of it. It's so good. Oh, I plan to.
0: Yeah, no, as soon as, as soon as Comixology gets the rights to it, and what's weird is that Comixology is an Amazon company, so you wouldn't think it would be terribly difficult for them to get the rights to things, because Amazon owns, I think, 60% of everything?
1: Right, yeah, at least, by this point, yeah,
0: Yeah. of the world, yeah. (laughs) Come on, come on, the estate of Herge, what are you holding out for?
1: (laughs) I don't know, it's, it's so, and it's so old, too, you would think that, like, it's, uh, it's public domain at this point, sort of, I mean... One He's would kind of think. Just, I don't know. Maybe it's just because no one in America knows or cares about Tintin. <laughs> <laughs> Steven so Spielberg like, yeah. did. Steven Spielberg he, cared He a cared lot. so much. So did Peter yes. Jackson, man. He just was like, Let's do this. I was born for Aww, this. Buddies. Um, yeah. There's a really cute story in the like behind the scenes of uh the Tintin movie where they I think it was so it was Spielberg and Jackson, and they when they decided to collaborate on it, Spielberg had like just Learned about Tintin or something. Sure. And he contacted Peter Jackson. He was like, Hey, you want to do this movie with me? And Peter Jackson was like, he, he like, I don't know if they were at his house or something, but he had like a whole shelf of Tintin books or something like... like that. And he was just like, yeah, he was great. Um, that Tintin's very good. good. I, I don't know what reminded me of this. Maybe it was the, I don't know, uh, I, I believe it was my hair kind of, yeah, it was the hair. Yeah. yeah. All right. So yeah, the Moriarty story. Let's get into it. This is it. This is the Moriarty story. This is it? The yeah. one. <laughs> so yeah. Where what to... was your first impression of this?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah you are making there's... some faces over there. I don't know. It's <laughs> <laughs> Were
1: you expecting a mystery was that it?
0: No, I I wasn't I wasn't expecting anything in particular, really. And that's because what you got. I, all I knew, was <laughs> nothing this was in particular. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, uh, fair, actually. Yeah. yeah, this is a story where one thing happens, um, mm-hmm. and you know, it's as we as we talked about briefly in the in the post pre show. <laughs> <laughs> as as we talked about briefly if if you have a Holmes adaptation you have a Moriarty that's that's pretty much <laughs> de rigueur and if yeah. you have a Moriarty in your Holmes adaptation you're going to have to have a Reichenbach Falls you know episode or movie yeah. or or whatever it is yeah um and so I, I knew a lot more about it through cultural osmosis than through anything, because I'd seen so many versions yeah. of it, and I, you know, it's... The basic elements are always there. There's a waterfall, there's a fight, both men go over, sometimes one man comes out. <laughs> um, And, like, at the time, because this was supposed to be... The the finale, right? This yeah. was supposed to be the end of Sherlock. This was Conan
1: Doyle trying his absolute hardest to kill Sherlock Holmes off and have it be it,
0: the end of the Sherlock Holmes stories. I can go back to writing my dinosaur books now. Right. This was this his, was a real yeah. This was a real Paul Sheldon killing off Misery Chastain. Yeah. Yeah. But like... Whatever that means, yes. <laughs> okay. Uh <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen King wrote a book called misery nicholas uh about okay, a man i heard of it who yes he wanted to write good books and ended up writing a series of like bodice rippers you know like mm. uh like bronze chested highland warrior type things. yeah 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 and uh he gets in a car crash and he ends up being saved by a nurse who happens to be his biggest fan and uh mm. she's not well uh it's a really good movie Oh, okay, anyway, yeah, the movie. I remember seeing a trailer for it and being like, all right, yeah. that's a premise. Um, well, the point is, <laughs> at, one, at one point, he, he kills off uh, his main character, and she takes it very poorly, and it turns out that when your legs are horribly broken and the woman in charge of your pain medication uh, is not as mentally sound as she could be, maybe don't kill her favorite book character. Anyway, um, <laughs> right. well, and the whole thing was an extended metaphor for how Stephen King felt kind of trapped... And beholden to his audience and their expectations of what they wanted him to write, and how mm-hmm. once you reach because you know we we've talked a lot about the relationship of fandom to author and what yeah. that relationship is and how much leverage one should have over the other, but like if it's super interesting, yeah, it really is, and yeah. it's really fluid and like. Cause Stephen King started out, I mean, he was poor as shit. When he sold Carrie, um, he and Tabitha were living literally in a trailer. Like a, like a, mm. what do you call that? Like an, like an air, airline or whatever they call that. Just like one of the yeah. little crappy trailer park ones. Oh, and wow. he, he had sent Carrie to, I think something like 20 publishers. They all rejected it. And he threw it away. He said, I tried. I gave, I gave the novel thing a shot. And I'm mm. done. And, mm. uh, Tabitha King, God bless her, she fished it out of the trash. And sent it to one more publisher, and they took it and sent him like a twenty thousand dollar advance or some ungodly number in nineteen seventy six. And oh my uh, God, what a story! Did, wow, I didn't know I that about know. Stephen it's King. Great, yeah. And the <laughs> first thing he did was to run out and buy her a hairdryer because it was the most expensive thing he could think of.
1: Aww. Oh, my God!
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's- their their marriage is super interesting because she's a novelist too. But like Stephen King went on. A self-destructive booze and cocaine bender that would even have Holmes saying this guy should probably take a weekend off. Uh, <laughs> wow. Like Cujo, like the big killer dog story. He was so coked out of his head that he literally doesn't remember writing it at all. Wow, damn, yeah, it's Bro. real bad. But she she stayed with him and they worked. And today he's he's like forty years sober or some shit because he's been doing this longer than fucking Hawaii's been a state. That's not true, mm-hmm. but it's close. <laughs> Um anyway, awesome. I'm not sure how we got into Stephen King corner. Uh I just finished reading a new one last night, The Outsider from him, uh, about a horrifying murder and a doppelganger. It was very spooky and good. The Outsider. Extremely upsetting. Enjoy. So <laughs> I'm trying to avoid talking about this story not because I didn't like it, but because so okay, my point was. Yeah. At the time, this was Doyle trying to kill the thing off. He had no intention of bringing Holmes back and in every modern adaptation of this story you get, the question mark is in there, right? The yeah. end. Right, or is right. It? And yeah. that question mark wasn't <laughs> supposed to be built into it. This was supposed to be definitive. Or at least, if not definitive, it was supposed to be, and it will be a mystery forevermore. Not mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. will be back in 10 years or whatever. Um, I just had a thought. I wonder if... because Because...
1: The, the whole thing with the final problem and the story following it is Conan Doyle was basically forced to bring back Holmes. Like you said, he didn't right. want to. He 100% intended this to be the end of Sherlock Holmes. Please right. leave me alone. It's done. And it, 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 purely was the audience demand that brought him back. It was people were such hardcore fans of Sherlock Holmes mm-hmm. that Nerds. They they wore like nerds. They wore like um people were wearing like Victor like in Victorian time people would wear the morning armbands on their Right. They would they oh wear the black the black armbands on their um on their on their coats. People would people wore morning bands for oh Sherlock Holmes, the fictional God. character. This is why some people think that Sherlock Holmes was a real person. He sure. pervaded culture so deeply that people just think he's real. They don't know who Connor Doyle is, but they think Sherlock Holmes was well, a real guy.
0: And like also the, the relative realism of the stories. And yeah, the, right. No. Like the, and the historical context into which he is inserted. Like it's. For sure. Yeah, no, he's, yeah. he's, he's
1: obviously not, he doesn't have any powers. He's not Frankenstein. He's a dude. But yeah, no, people were so, people wrote letters to Doyle constantly. He got like endless, ma- and this was like, I don't think it was a very common thing at the time to do that. To, like, find the author directly or, like, show up at their house and right. be like, hey, I mean, I'm sure it happened, but um, this was, like, the biggest, um, I think, or, or a very notable occurrence of that happening where right. people were just – the demand for Sherlock Holmes stories were so high. People were, like, you know, personally angry at Doyle, you know, and uh, – So, would, so
0: would, what you're telling me – yeah. Is, is that like the modern Sherlock fandom as we have it people walking around wearing shirts that say I am Sherlocked and arguing about you know <laughs> d- you know John and Watson or no Sherlock and John or the 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 one sh- the OTPs or whatever you call it yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not super familiar with the mechanics <laughs> of shipping but right. um but like so what you're telling me is that this fandom is essentially unchanged <laughs> from Yeah no 100- I, I that's what I
1: was going <laughs> to say like I don't know if this is what where that origin of just fandom came from, or just the power of fandom, or at least the—it's just funny to me how seeing how fans interact with content makers now and Mm -hmm. learning about how people reacted when Doyle killed off Sherlock Holmes— People are the same. (laughs) Nothing's really changed. Like, it's just Doyle didn't expect it at the time. And if you're comparing, I know I'm not going to be able to do this episode without referencing BBC Sherlock, mainly because the the conversation between Holmes and Moriarty in this text was basically transcribed into the episode word for word. And so people read that, and that they're like, they episode. they hear those actors in their minds now. Basically, it's just so yeah. like it was a good episode, I, no,
0: for sure. I know the BBC Sherlock takes a lot of shit, and I'm I'm not saying it <laughs> doesn't. I'm not saying it doesn't necessarily deserve it, but yeah, I, I mean, it's it's the first real Sherlock anything I ever had, and uh, the gentleman who plays Moriarty scares the living hell out of me. That guy's yeah. amazing. Yeah, and no, he he's a great actor for sure. So what? Why? Why is it? why is it so reviled and like, is it, is it completely hated or did it t- take a turn at some point or as, as far as I know, I, I think obviously I'm speaking just from my own experience.
1: I could be completely no, wrong in saying you represent this, the entire fandom. but, right better. <laughs> but from my experience, I think, and I think this is a pretty popular position. Um, the first series, Go ahead, Nick, place of, yourself in the most
0: popular position,
1: <laughs> the first series of, um, BBC Sherlock, Right. uh season series it's called series in England right, right, i think right. and season and whatever but the first series of bbc sherlock was cut was really good they yeah, they that was
0: uh that had study in pink and it had um, study in pink um
1: was basket no Basketball's was season 2 uh yeah see it's been so long since i watched it but um even just purely going off the first episode they I think the casting is great, I think those both of those guys are great actors. They work off each other quite well. um the production value is really good the oh yeah, the actual like cinematography of the episodes is amazing, like all the really editing well the shot. the cuts yeah. between scenes fantastic um and they they made a lot of really clever references to Canon that were very that were a little more obscure, not mm-hmm. so much just like. The deer Stalker and stuff like that, which was also funny, but just, had like, to be a, done. a lot of subtle repre- references to the canon, which you would only know if you read the stories, which I thought okay. was really cool, because I, I was coming at it as someone who had already read all the stories. So, obviously, all right. the references hit me and were like, oh, cool, like, I got all of them. Uh, it was really fun. Um Season 2 was also quite good, but it's also where they started not so much being standalone. They started connecting the episodes more. Right. Like, sort of a arc. Like cafe. a ongoing kind of thing where like uh and by the third and and that I think is when people started uh uh getting more uh critical of the writing and trying to interact with the creators more. And right. and there's also the huge element to it where um which I agree with for the most part, uh, where people were very upset that they kept hinting that they would make Sherlock and Watson gay and make them an yes. actual couple. And they were like, and even from the announcement of the series, people were like, they're making a modern day Sherlock Holmes. This is the perfect opportunity for right. them to be like, hey, you know, there's been hundreds of TV and movie Sherlock Holmes adaptations. None of them had canonically made Holmes and Watson a couple. This one set in 2000. 2000- Whatever, whatever 2012 yeah. this is this is perfect they could totally do it and get away with it and it would be awesome and they didn't not only did they not do it which i i obviously would have been upset but i wouldn't have been i would have been like whatever it's what i expected not only did they not do that but they went out of their way to like make fun of people who thought that it would happen basically they were like not only are these characters not gay but we're gonna joke about them being gay but continue to Mm. not make it happen and Mm. we're gonna make you the viewer feel stupid for everything that they could be a couple or suggesting it and a lot of fans were rightfully upset about that um (laughs) i think uh and so it was mostly just like the creators being kind of shitty and eventually and eventually by season three the writing as well Just stopped making any sense at all. They were, they started relying so much on like shock value and random unexpected twists that you just could not follow even if you knew what was going on. And it just is incomprehensible at this point. Um, but yeah, a lot of the, uh, I, again, I still think the first season was pretty good. It was fun. Um, I really wish they would have just like, yeah, obviously I wish we would have, what we could have one, uh, Sherlock Holmes series where Holmes and Watson are confirmed a couple and it's just not a right. big deal. Uh, but so this, yeah, it, I, I, I think that people are, I, I'm just going to completely ignore shipping altogether because I don't really like acknowledging it because a lot of the people who do ship and make that like a part of their personality mm-hmm. are, it It gets iffy because you get a lot our, of people. our who followers are... on Twitter <laughs> <laughs> I don't know no, I'm not saying uh no I'm no I'm, I'm just saying just, I'm just funny there funnin'. there is a lot of people y'all followers and in... y'all y'all cool y'all are cool, but there are a lot of people in that type of in those types of communities who are. Uh, women who fetishize gay relationships as as right. straight as straight men can fetishize lesbian relationships right. the exact same thing happens with women fetishizing gay relationships and so i just kind of tend to stay away from all of that because i don't i don't want to deal with it That's i you fair. know they're, they're as a gay water, as yeah like as a gay man myself that kind of shit really Pisses it's me off, yeah, and absolutely. uh, yeah. So, but just as as me watching the series, right. I I really liked it, uh and I was really rooting for it for a long time. And I I personally still think The Hound of the Baskervilles is a great piece of TV and one of the best episodes that they
0: did. Was um, there a robot in that? I I don't know. I I don't didn't, think. Did the dog so. turn out to be a robot? No. I think the dog turned out to be a robot. No,
1: I think it was it was hallucinogens. It was mm-hmm. like they were just hallucinating the dog the whole
0: time. Kind Pretty of thing. sure the dog was a robot, but I might have to I'm rewatch sure, it. <laughs> I'm sure the internet will correct us. Okay, yeah. so back to the task at hand. Yeah. Um, so I had to wonder how much cultural osmosis came from versions of this story that were intended to serve as setup pieces for Holmes's return, which mm-hmm. is spiritually directly antithetical to. The writing of this particular story. So I just wasn't sure what the clash was going to be like there. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll explore it and we'll, we'll see how we feel about it. Let's get into it. So we're starting up and the intro is Watson sad, him friend gone. Where go him friend? (laughs) Yeah.
1: When I first, when I read this story for the first time, I, I kind of went into the canon blind, and I had no idea sure. that this was a whole thing. So when he, when I first read that opening line, I was like, "Wait, hold on, Sherlock Holmes dies? Like, who's gonna tell me this?" And also, I was Record reading scratch.
0: You're probably all, wondering how I got. And Also, here. I was right,
1: and also I was reading like from a collection of or like a volume of Sherlock Holmes stories, and there right. was more after this story. So I was like. What, what's gonna, like, how is this gonna work out? But, right. so, it was really fun. Uh, I definitely, I'm very happy that my first read through of this story was completely blind because it was... Sure. Very exciting to read it and figure out what happened. And also, I didn't have to wait the like fifteen or twenty years in between this story and the story when he comes back. I could just That's flip a, a page. Point. My my privilege of living in the modern day, I could just flip a page and have it come back. It's right a good time. privilege to have. Re- Let me tell it you, it was realized. I'm like, damn. I'm sure glad I wasn't around in Victoria in time because I would have been real mad. Yep.
0: <laughs> well, and going going back to Stephen King, um, Stephen King's magnum opus, the, the mm-hmm. Dark the Dark Tower cycle, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a literal literal 20 year gap between the fourth and fifth books because he got hit by a car and very nearly died and it fucked his shit up for a good long piece of time and he wow. didn't come back to it but yeah like i finished the fourth book and i was like oh man i wonder when the fifth one's gonna come out three years what ridiculous <laughs> and at the time i didn't know people had been waiting literally since before i was born <laughs> for yeah. To come out. yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, man. But yeah, that's, that's an excellent point that just the expectation that you like people what, what, like the next story comes out and people are like, what? No, he killed that guy. No, Sherlock's dead. What are you talking about? <laughs> mm. Weird. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. So it opens up in Watson's, uh, saying like, this is the last story I'll ever write about my friend Sherlock Holmes. Um, I'm, I'm putting this out Until all on the, the record and you have no idea. In. Right. And, and, and you have no idea what happened,
0: um, until he starts explaining it. Leading us in here, Watson tells us that he had intended to just sort of keep his own counsel on this and not really say anything to the public. But that Colonel James Moriarty uh started defending his brother and talking shit in a, like, published article to the papers. And that this uh cannot and will not be abided. And so uh Watson's hand was moved once more to punch on paper. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what's interesting is, like... The name is just rattled off, Colonel James Moriarty, with no context. It's not saying, okay, so let's, Nicholas, help me with the, help me with the publication timeline here, because, because, okay. because the Valley of Fear, which mentions Moriarty, that's mm-hmm. not the first mention of Moriarty, is it? Doesn't he show up? I don't Let's look it up, because so. I want yeah, to know, what, I want to know what we're talking about for this.
1: I also want to get this right, this is kind of, this is
0: quite relevant. Okay, he only directly appears in two, and Final Problem and Valley of Fear, he's mentioned oh, that's in it. five other stories. Okay. Uh, none of which we have read. But, but I think those are the two important references to him. Those are the two big ones, yeah. Okay, yeah. so, yeah, th- so that name, Colonel James Moriarty, is just rattled off like we're, not necessarily like we're supposed to know who that is, but he's not contextualizing mm-hmm. the brother of, you know, the Napoleon of crime. Now, maybe, I might be misremembering, but wasn't there a story where they mentioned Moriarty's brother being like a railway agent or so? Am I thinking of another of another I, villain? I don't know. I I don't really remember. I didn't even re- really
1: remember that Moriarty had a brother. I knew that Me he neither. had. I knew that he had like like a number one assistant, uh, Colonel Moran, who's like right. his number one guy, the guy with the air rifle. And also, there's the fact that Moriarty's first name is James. Right. So the fact that Doyle decided to also name his brother James is just kind of yeah. I, I really think that that was a Doyle mistake there. Oh, Doyle. Uh, okay, so, <laughs> so I might be confused
0: about something, listeners. I'm there, sure you're yelling at me. I'm sure you know which villain's brother was a railway agent that I'm thinking there's, of. There's also a reference. Um, there the, also in the beginning here. There's like
1: uh Holmes asks Watson, "Have you heard of Moriarty?" And Watson says, "No." Wasn't right? Watson there? in the valley of fear when Moriarty when okay. Holmes was going on about
0: see that's the thing one thing i do happen to know yeah. is that the valley of fear was written first but published after this so oh my goodness i i give up <laughs> yeah i know publication fuckery is it's the it's the bane of every author yeah. who's trying to keep a decent timeline together so that's not on that's not on doyle not really um, yeah no okay so But regardless, uh, Moriarty's brother is talking shit, defending Mm -hmm. his brother in public against Holmes. Uh, To Watson's knowledge, only three of these accounts, uh, three accounts of these events, rather, were ever published. There were two news stories that were condensed and the brother's letter to the public, which was, quote, an absolute perversion of the facts. If you're going to pervert something, do it absolutely. So, yeah, this is basically just Watson being like, all right, I didn't want to say anything, but because
1: someone's out here slandering my best friend, I have to set the record straight. Yeah. Y'all uh, and, playing stupid games, y'all about to win a stupid prize. Yeah. So this was this is him setting the record straight basically after the fact. Yeah, he 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 explains all that uh he uh he hasn't uh he hasn't heard from Holmes in a while. Uh he knows no. that Holmes has been in France doing some really big uh French and around. Really big job uh there yeah. and didn't expect to see him back for a while and therefore was surprised to see Holmes suddenly turn up at his house. Um, yeah. And immediately ask him if he could shut all the windows and Holmes, and Holmes is looking really, uh, really tired and just haggard as well. Uh, and Watson's even paler and thinner than usual. (laughs) And, uh, and Watson's like, all right, what's going on? Something is obviously up. You are, you're acting really even more nervous, you know, than, than ever. And, uh.
0: Well, yeah. he, he says, uh, Holmes, what are you, why are you shutting up all my shutters here? What are you mm-hmm. scared of? And Holmes says that he is afeard of air guns. And now I am too. But like, <laughs> um, that's another thing through cultural osmosis. Like, that was a thing I knew about Moriarty that his cane is like an air powered pellet rifle or maybe a poison his or something. Cane? I'm not quite. His cane. Yeah. Is, it? is that not, is that not canon? Well, cause here's the, th- okay, so what the, what does air gun mean? Because that doesn't come up in this story or in the Valley of Fear, which are the only two places appear, Moriarty appears, <laughs> Moriarty appears as a major player. Like, where did I get that idea? Where did the idea that his cane is an air gun come from? Did I make that up? I don't know. It's cool as hell. God uh, damn it. You're but I,
1: I wish it were canon, but I don't know. Um, let me see. I think, I think air gun is just, Uh, like kind of another word for, let me see. Okay. An air gun is any kind of gun that latches projectiles with compressed air or other gases that are pressurized mechanically without involving any chemical reactions. Okay. So it's kind of like in Victorian era, it would be like the, I think the top of the line of weaponry where like, it's not gunpowder. And I think the whole, the, the reason why it's, he uses an air gun is like, it's a sniper tool kind of, and it's a little quieter.
0: I think, yeah, but okay, well, here's the thing. He, he uses, he used a weapon called an air rifle, which could fire bullets silently and could be disguised as a cane, but, oh, really? Yeah, but it doesn't, it doesn't say where or, oh, come on. Was that a, was that a movie or? No, this is from the, this is from the canon or so I'm given to understand. I don't know. Um, maybe someone out there will know. (laughs) <laughs> the, the the public the public will tell us as they are so yeah. kind to do on multiple occasions that's right that's not true actually. if I don't remember then there's no reason why yeah. you yeah <laughs> we've got a really cool fandom who will comment in really hilarious and not fandom we don't have a fandom a really cool <laughs> fan base who will comment in like really helpful and hilarious ways and not so much call mm-hmm. us out on being idiots and I think the I think <laughs> this is this is a cool group to be part of okay as much so, as as much as we might deserve to <laughs> but, oh yeah no. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah don't let the cool Go fool you. We are very stupid. <laughs> okay, so he asks Watson uh, to light his cigarette, apologizes for calling on him so late, and asks if it would inconvenience him terribly if he were to scramble over his back garden wall and abscond <laughs> into the night. <laughs> of course, Watson's
1: like, "Yeah, that's fine." Like, of course, Watson says, "Yeah, Me garden wall is fine. Sue garden wall, pal." <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, Holmes basically just really quickly explains that he's, that Moriarty is really after him this time, uh, in the yeah, last like three for months for real, for real. Um, in the last three months, Holmes has apparently been, um, doing whatever Holmes does to Holmes and around to, uh, he's really putting every effort into catching Moriarty and he's yeah. basically got, he's got, he's almost got him. He's weaving, uh, he's weaving a net around him. he's, he's it's all very complicated. Doyle doesn't give us a single detail as to he how Holmes is doing this, uh what he's been up to, anything like that. He just he nope. just tells you basically Holmes is Holmes is about to get Moriarty and yeah. he's this close, he just needs to have a couple more things and i it, it does kind of we just kind of have to take his word for it. Right? Like as a, on a, upon reread, like the first time i read it, obviously i was purely going off of like emotional reactions to, like, oh shoot, right. like, Moriarty's chasing them, and, you know, Holmes is scared of that he's gonna die, and all that stuff, and, um, but upon second reading, it's kind of like, I I really wish Doyle would at least have given us, like, a couple of right. actual solid details as to what Holmes had to do to get up to this point, or... Just anything? Well, here's the thing. Yeah. And I get that there's a because... time limit, cause it's an 11 page story, but...
0: Well, yeah, but that's because <laughs> he wrote an 11 page story. It's not like, I don't know. <laughs> but... yeah. Okay, but here's here's the thing. One of the things I really respect about Arthur Conan Doyle is, first of all, that he doesn't take these stories too seriously because he doesn't take himself too seriously. And second of all, that he knows himself as a creator. He knows he doesn't know how international crime syndicates work. <laughs> he knows that he doesn't know how you would go about carefully and elegantly dismantling an international crime syndicate. And so he knows better to, than to try.
1: It is honestly the curse of... Every author who's writing a character that's smarter than them, Basically. exactly. Like if this character existed, they would be smart. It's like I, I, I write a little bit of fiction. Just I, I used to write a lot more. I don't so much anymore, but I'd like to get back to it. Anyway, right. I was writing a story and I made a character and I was like, he's an engineer. And then I realized <laughs> I don't know a single thing about yep. anything mechanically besides cars. And this was a like kind of like a steampunk kind of thing, so it was airships even less about those, and also they're not real. So (laughs) I really was like, okay, you you really have to do a lot of, like, Even when you're just throwing random jargon out, you have to make sure that it still makes sense. It has to sound good. right? And so what you learn to do, at least what I did, was just get around it as much as possible. (laughs) Just give as few details. Just like they know what they're doing. Trust me. (laughs)
0: Yeah, don't worry um, about it. Which at that point begins to beg the question, then why have them doing what they're doing? Yeah. yeah, so it's yeah. At, at a certain point it becomes the self defeating proposition. So he says, "Hey, do you know who this?" You know, Holmes Watson says, "Well, wh- what's going on, Holmes? What's what's got you so frazzled?" Pated and Holmes slaps a folder on the desk and says, "Ever heard of the Moriarty?" Alien? <laughs> but yeah, I okay, you can look at the folder, Watson, but you can't open it, and I can't mm. tell you what's in there. You <laughs> right. gotta trust me; it's bad stuff.
1: <laughs> Just like it's too it's too long to get through. Just don't worry about it. Just like don't worry th- about we, it. We got a time. We really got eleven here. pages.
0: It's fine. Okay, so Holmes tells Watson that, quote, The man pervades London, and no one has heard of him. If I could beat that man, if I could free society of him, I should feel that my own career had reached its summit, and I should be prepared to turn to some more placid lane in life. So, like, if Holmes can beat this guy, like, he wept for there were no more worlds to conquer. Like, that would be...
1: He'll just Moriarty's it once. Once he figures out the Moriarty problem, it'll be there. Nothing else will possibly, you know, be worth solving after that. Like it, that'll be it. Um, Which he Doyle does a very good job as build of building Moriarty up without us before we even see him Um, as just this insanely powerful. Like he Moriarty, for all intents and purposes, is Holmes but evil. Basically, um, he's Holmes, Holmes on but the crime? other side. Yeah. Which is cool yeah. because you don't really get to see this. You you know, I'm sure you could like you I, there. There might even be published works where it's like, what is Holmes but crime? And someone actually went 100 percent. And yeah, yeah. Moriarty is super cool because he is. You get that glimpse of what if Holmes decided yeah. to use his incredible intellect for evil and murder and it's it's neat and even the fact that moriarty looks is described uh as looking very similar to holmes um is is kind of cool it's like it, it's just it's pretty, it's really well done for for a villain yeah. that's to go opposite of him it's I, I, Moriarty's really cool. Um, and he also gives him, yeah, he describes Moriarty, he, he sounds very similar to Holmes, but Moriarty has, he describes him as being like snake-like, which is a pretty common yes. evil, you know, snakes, evil, right. Biblical snakes theme. creepy. Uh, quite, yeah. Yo, and, a big biblical theme. Yeah, even to like the point where Moriarty, uh, moves his head back and forth slowly in a kind of reptilian fashion. And I'm going to try to find, I'll find a clip from the, um, Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes series of the yeah. scene where he talks to Moriarty. Cause the freaking actor that they got to play him is incredible. He does a right phenomenal job. Like you would think he just came right out of the book. Uh, Ooh. it's really cool. So I'll post that scene if I can find yes, it. Please. Or yeah, any please clip.
0: Do. Yeah. So. But yeah, the, the idea of a mirror or of a shadow character, cause like, the point with, with, uh, Sherlock and Moriarty, the point with, I don't know if you ever watched The Following, uh, it was a really Mm-mm. good for, uh, a, a really good for a season. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah.
1: Just like Sherlock.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a show on, on Fox with Kevin Bacon and James Purefoy um who is an actor you'd probably recognize if you saw him but it was about a man who who chased a serial killer who was obsessed with Edgar Allan Poe and it was a whole thing and like when you have when you have nemesis like that it's really important that their relationship throw into contrast the fact that these two are just barely different people yeah. Like they are they are one degree separated from each other. Mm-hmm. And that they could easily be what the other is. Right. Um and I, I think that is gone to Considerable effort and difficulty to highlight here. Uh, they talk about how Moriarty is a man of birth and education like Sherlock. Mm-hmm. Profound mathematical powers. He won and lost a professorship and became an army coach, which, sure, after <laughs> dark rumors circulated about him, and this much is all public knowledge, but mm-hmm. Holmes for years, while breaking up various, you know, crimes, has felt a shadow hand behind London's criminal world and all of its doings. And after years yeah. of searching, he found a thread, and he followed that thread for more years and found that it arrived at this matham magician. And mm-hmm. again, I'm very interested in learning how you feel that there is a shadow hand behind a series of seemingly unrelated crimes. <laughs> and again, Arthur Conan Doyle said, I don't know how to write that. So yep. I'm not gonna. <laughs> he pretty much
1: I would say he did do really well with the Valley of Fear at least mm. in setting that up. If there had been yeah. like a few other I and I'm there probably then there are apparently in uh we looked up the references to Moriarty in the canon um to, to kind of build on that so that even the reader would be let in. But it's, it's not, it's not Doyle's fault. He did not plan to, he, no. this is basically him just figuring out how to kill Holmes off. He's, the point of this right. story is I'm killing off Sherlock Holmes. This is my, this is his goodbye letter basically right. to the character. Um, it's like, it's like curtain for, uh, for Poirot, but for Sherlock Holmes. Um, yeah. except Holmes, except, Poirot actually dies, as far as I know. Um, Whoa! So, spoiler. <laughs> spoiler alert! For uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> almost, yeah. She uh, uh, Agatha Christie writes the la- the last Poirot story. She writes he dies at the end of it. Nice. Yeah, I, I loved it. I, I thought it was well, like he had a he had a full life. <laughs> he did. I mean, well, he's really old in the yes. book, so it's like it's it's not that sad. Uh right. But at the same time, it really is. Uh But it's cool. No, it's great. I, I love. Curtain is, like, one of my favorite uh, Poirot books. Did really you hear
0: uh, that they are, after the success of the uh, Kenneth Branagh murder on the Orient Express, that they are proceeding with murder on the Nile, or death on the Nile? Oh, seriously? Sweet. Yeah. All right. I'm really excited. <laughs> Maybe they can make it not boring, because I read that book, and <laughs> good God.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. I've only seen the TV adaptation of it, and, uh, yeah, it, I... It, it, just after murder on the Orient Express, nothing quite compares to that.
0: Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> she really peaked there. Watson uh, is getting more information about Moriarty here. He is uh, again quote, "He is the Napoleon of crime." Watson, and like, I think that's a reference that gets watered down. Like when we think of Napoleon, we think of you know a funny little short guy with a big old mm-hmm. hat from Bill yeah. and Ted's Excellent Adventure, or or what have you, <laughs> right? Or Corpse Bride is the case maybe, but like. <laughs> First of all, I'm sure most of the listeners know this because this is the kind of things that a Holmes fandom person would know. Napoleon was not actually especially short. He's measured as being like five foot something, but that's in French feet, which don't yeah. match up to English feet. He was of average height. He was um, like five seven or five eight or something. Exactly. He yeah. was more in, and like you and I <laughs> right. are not especially tall men, but we're also right. not, you know, wee tiners. Yeah. Um, the point is, Napoleon was like he conquered the world. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like he was, he was like Alexander the Great, mm. but better because he had ships that worked. <laughs> um, he, he did run into the Russia problem that Hitler would later encounter, which is that in Russia, it turns out, winter kills you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, like, describing him as the Napoleon of crime is, especially in this time, I mean, this was just barely in, like, the post-Napoleonic era, right? This, was, I mean, the Napoleonic Wars were still in living memory at this point. Oh, yeah, no, it was um, much more recent, yeah. It, well, maybe not living memory, but not not far removed. And right. So, des- describing him that way, like, if someone said he was the Hitler of crime, that yeah. would impart a certain gravity, even though... Modern scholarship has revealed that Hitler was not actually especially good at anything he did, and actually mostly had a talent for surrounding himself with people who were good at what they did. And also talking really loud, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And taking he... a lot of drugs. Huh, sounds really? familiar. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. anyway. Couldn't possibly comment. Anyway, the point, <laughs> the point is... Um, the Napoleon of crime, he sits motionless, like a spider in the center of its web. But that web has a thousand radiation. Radiations, rather. Not <laughs> a thousand rays. It's not a glowing spider. As cool as that would be. You know my powers, Watson. And yet at the end of three months, I was forced to confess that I had met an antagonist who was my intellectual equal. My horror at his crimes was lost in my admiration at his skill. And this is a recurring theme. Uh, it doesn't come up so much in valley of fear except at the very end but it's it's played very heavily here that holmes Mm -hmm. and moriarty respect the hell out of each other oh yeah no they do even to
1: the point where like the the whole scene where moriarty shows up at holmes's house mm -hmm. it he doesn't need to do i mean it's outright stated that he hardly does anything himself he always has other people acting for him which is smarter not harder exactly yeah no and um It just, and so the fact that he would physically show up at Holmes's house to talk to him in person is very much a sign that he does respect Holmes. And he even says during the conversation that, like, I really don't want to have to do this. You're a great, you know, you're a great match. We're, we're equally matched. This is amazing. Like, I, I do respect your abilities. Um, but like, I will kill you if I have to.
0: (laughs) Quote, it would, it would be a grief to me to be forced to take any extreme measure. Right. And like yeah. he and like he says that and he realizes that's a super villain line. So he says, "I mean that sincerely." Like I mean that. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um
1: and it's interesting because if you think about it, that almost the fact that Moriarty already hardly does anything, he is just so connected is it, it almost elevates Holmes a little bit cuz Holmes mm-hmm. doesn't really. I mean, he works with the police and Right.
0: He has As, his network and, of and detect- of he has and he has a
1: network and the you know the beggar street irregulars and, and whatnot. Right, but he, not nearly to the degree he definitely no, doesn't no, have no. the power and influence no. that Moriarty has. Moriarty has, has an just, army. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it almost like speaks to Hall's ability that he doesn't
0: have that and yet can still challenge Moriarty on Absolutely. his own, basically. Um, well, you know what I always love in uh, in depictions is like. And I'm not sure if this actually happened in some adaptation of Holmes with Moriarty, Mm. but it sounds like a thing that would have happened. It's like, if they're in a restaurant or some shit, and Holmes is like, well, I'm pretty confident I can take you down, Pally. And Moriarty's like, oh, you think so? And like, he just snaps, and like, everybody in the restaurant simultaneously just stands up and leaves. And it's like, this great moment of like, demonstrating his control. But I'm, I'm always sitting there like, so did those people all get a text that morning? Or like, what? (laughs) Like, what's the... (laughs) Group text. Moriarty has got. What if they already had lunch plans at a different restaurant? (laughs) Right. They're like, God damn it! I got to go work for
1: Moriarty now.
0: I don't want lasagna again. (laughs) This (laughs) is Holmes guy anyway, right? I always want lasagna. (laughs) You're basically Garfield. I I really, in a lot of ways, aren't we all? (laughs) Yeah. So 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 Holmes has been. Uh, playing the long game, striking at Moriarty's web, breaking up a strand here and a node there, and weakening his infrastructure. Uh, and mm. suddenly, Moriarty, as you said, appears in his room, and Holmes, yeah. uh, Holmes, like, draws iron on him immediately, mm-hmm. but, but Moriarty is just chill as hell, very reptilian, as you said, which just yeah. makes it all the creepier, because he, he he just has this, like, oh, Sherlock, oh, no, <laughs> right. I'm so scared, you have a gun. <laughs> just, it's,
1: it's He's very like, you know what's good. really dangerous, a finger-loaded firearm in the pocket of your dressing gown, right? <laughs> <Just> <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> which, good. may I add, but... Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The whole, the whole scene, the whole dialogue between... Um, let me know if this had the same impression on you really just sound, it was almost like echoes in my mind when I read it, just because it's been, it's the only conversation you get to see Holmes and Moriarty have. So a lot of adaptations take the lines from it and use it in there. They they give it to Moriarty again, just take it straight from Canon. Uh, and to be fair, they're awesome. Like it's legendary a lot of legendary lines here you have the whole like um everything i have to say has already crossed your mind uh line uh and that whole exchange so did you did you have any that like stood out to you in particular oh i've got stuff Yeah, yeah 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 yeah
0: um and good quotes there's and and as you're as you're saying everything that could occur to you has already occurred to me and that just this this very unsubtle implication and understanding that like they know each other's minds as much as they know their own like they are yeah they are essentially the same person just turned in different directions and they're both right he, they're both here for it, um, and Moriarty. Mm-hmm. So uh, Holmes has this iron drawn on him, and Moriarty just no sells it completely. And he pulls yeah. out his little memorandum book and he rattles off a handful of dates. And it's one of my favorite things when. A vi- <laughs> First of all, I love a punch clock villain. I love a villain who's <laughs> yeah. not like I will destroy the world because evil. Who's just like Nah, dude, I got bills to pay, so I'm gonna go do some crime. And like he's
1: so incredibly I- methodical about everything he does. There's he no really- draw at all it's the, no, and that's one way it. where he's the opposite of Holmes Holmes is Correct. all about the drama uh, because he's drank. gay Moriarty uh, <laughs> is extremely yeah. methodical about it very cool collected all the time you never see him really
0: lose it you don't. Until and now, it really, almost, yeah. It reads, it reads, well, and see, that's the thing. In a lot of adaptations, pushing Moriarty to that breaking point and revealing that his cool reptilian facade is precisely that, is a shell. Yeah. Under which, yeah. under which, you know, writhes and riles a, a horrible, evil, you know, monster. Um, that's, that's the thing that gets pushed to, uh, a lot in the shows and similar doesn't happen here. Like, no, this is just who this dude is. And that is much scarier to me. Oh yeah,
1: no, absolutely. I love, uh, this version of Moriarty. I think that there's, there's definitely, there's definitely fun to be had with completely unhinged villains like that. And, uh, like how they, the direction they took with the, um, the BBC Sherlock where they kinda had a they kinda walked uh back and forth between they didn't make Moriarty completely unhinged, but he does yeah. have moments of eerie calmness. Oh, terrifying um, lucidity. Just yeah, yeah. interspersed with it, which just makes the unhingedness
0: even more that guy was awesome. uh effective. See, that's yeah, the thing. no that Moriarty was designed to keep you off balance the entire mm-hmm. time and it and it yeah. worked this Absolutely. Moriarty is is designed to let you know that no what you are looking at is what is there and what is there should make you very afraid mm-hmm. uh, but yeah he he takes out his little book and he l- rattles off this list of dates and he says like okay so this was when you blew up my shipping yard <laughs> and uh, this is when you got Twenty-five of my best men arrested. Do you have any idea how hard it is to find twenty-five <laughs> dark workers in the middle of the night? I do because I had to. And he just he <laughs> this, yeah this, this literally of like this is when you got my mother deported and that one just feels personal, Holmes. I don't feel that. <laughs> way. And he he reaches the end of this and they're escalating. That's the point is that like it mm-hmm. started out he was like like jabbing two hit points at a time and eventually yeah. Moriarty's Moriarty's HP bar is very low and it's blinking red and to mm. the. Point where he is, quote, in positive danger of losing my liberty. So, it's come to, it's come to a contretemps where Mm -hmm. they need to decide how they're going to proceed, and uh, as you said, they both know what the other is going to say, but their enormous respect and, like, borderline fondness for each other demands Mm. that they have this meeting and be like, okay, are, are we doing this, or can this be avoided? And no, the answer is that we're doing this. Yeah,
1: yeah. Holmes... Basically ends with it being like, I, for the sake of the public, I would happily, you know, if, if, if I yeah. have to die in order to exter, to terminate you, if it's both of us or you go free, I will, I will have it be right. both of us. Yeah.
0: I've got the quote here. Yeah. Moriarty says, yeah. if you are clever enough to bring destruction upon me, rest assured that I shall do as much to you. If I were assured of the former eventuality, I would, in the interest of the public, cheerfully accept the latter. And I feel like that is a line that gets used a lot. If I could be assured of the former eventuality, I would cheerily accept the latter. And like, I don't know that that gets used by people who have the correct context and understanding. I don't know. I feel like yeah. there's, there's, there's like a romanticism around like martyrdom and sacrifice, especially in our culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think yeah. it's, I think it's related to the militarization of our culture and the way that like, the military is portrayed in America, and always has been
1: right Sherlock Holmes is a very uh British hero, and right. you got that whole well Watson is an army doctor first of all he 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 right. fought in the war he served his country, and Holmes is very much put up as like queen and country he doesn't really right. he doesn't it, it's kind of a weird combination because at the same time on one hand he doesn't he's shown to not really respect authority very much like it doesn't really right. mean that much to him he's all about the work, but he also is very patriotic at the same time so it's kind of it's like yeah those two things can live together in the same person but it's just there's a bit of a clash there i think at least for me it's like is he batman or is he you know
0: i don't know it's yeah well and he talks later about how he has reached a point of satisfaction about how the air of london is sweeter because of him and that Mm -hmm. he can he can take some peace and some solace in that. So the fact yeah. that like, cause when Americans uh, talk about like sacrifice and martyrdom, there's a certain like machismo associated with it. Like oh, yeah. a, like a, like a certain, I look like I'm wearing camo even though I'm not. Yeah. And, and it's <laughs> yeah. just a different vibe here. Like Holmes mm-hmm. is talking about like, no, I understand that I would die. I would really prefer that not happen. But it, like.
1: It's almost like, and, and this has kind of been presented a couple ways, uh, both in Canon and in other books, uh, that Holmes Holmes clearly I think has a fondness for London and for England. Yeah. Is like he it's his it's where he works all the time. He's always there. He lives there. He does everything there. He knows the city he has the city in his memory. Like he, yeah. he knows the whole city like the back of his hand. And you can't help but form an attachment to a place Correct. like that once you've lived there for so long and you just it's just a part of you at that point. And I yeah. think it's more it's less of like God save the queen, patriotism, and more. I think of because everything Holmes does is, on some level, I think personal. He yeah. the work is very personal to him. He takes it as a personal failing when he messes up or does something wrong, and right. um, it's it, it's a really I don't know. It just it makes him very and so real. No, I, see, I, I, th- think. Th- I think I yeah. think I see
0: what you're saying, and so instead of like. In the service of this, uh, again, I'm putting an accent. Uh, okay, it's like <laughs> in, instead of instead of being like, because the the American notion of throwing yourself at an enemy and sacrificing yourself for the greater good, it's it's very American. It's very salute the flag. But like in mm-hmm. here, what you're saying is it's it's not so much that as it is like he loves London, and if he if he failed to bring if he failed to bring Moriarty down. It would be him failing London. It would be him failing right. England because he right because d- despite his protestations like, of objectivity and and scientificism and all, like it, he yeah. does in fact uh, associate he really, he himself. De- he cares. He does care. He likes to pretend right. he doesn't, but it's like
1: I, I think Lo- he considers London as much a part of, or England as much a part of him as his work. It's it's there integral it to who he is. Yep. It's it's part of his identity. Basically, that's it. Yeah. Which
0: allows him to be selfish and still be the good guy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Woo, we yep. love an anti-hero. Alright. Yep. Alright, <laughs> so. <laughs> he says, uh, if you'll excuse me, I will take my leave. And I imagine Holmes just throws himself out a window, uh, but probably not.
1: Well, Holmes gives his favorite fallback line, which I think is something that he likes to pull out a lot just to make himself seem much more busy and important than he actually is, which is I have a lot of work to attend to. Are we done here? <laughs> yeah, if you'll excuse me. <laughs> excuse me, I have much to do. Uh, and just the fact that he's like he says that a lot to other clients, where he's bl- he uses that as a bluff a lot, where right. he's trying to get clients to like get to the point. But the fact that he does it and it's Moriarty is just kind of funny to me at this point. It is. It's like, um, it's great. I loved that. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes,
0: yes. You're the other smartest man in the world. Do you mind my interior decorations? <laughs> is coming over,
1: but then Moriarty leaves and Holmes is like shaking. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, so good.
0: Yeah. Okay. So immediately hereafter follows a series of of, of attempts on Holmes's life uh, that yeah. were in so in well, such short order. Were well, the, he's relating were all basically. Yeah, silent. he's relating all of this to Watson after
1: the fact. So after, by the time he shows up as Watson's house at Watson's house, he's like, I know for a fact that Moriarty is after me for real, for real this time because. Yeah. These three things happened to me today on my way over here, basically. Literally, Uh, as soon as he
0: steps out, yeah, uh, a carriage tries for 50 points on him, and a Mm. brick misses him by a hair's breadth. And all of this stuff is things that technically could be
1: explained away as, like, it's not obvious, uh, except for until the last guy. The first two things, the carriage and then the brick almost hitting him, are like, well, you know, the building was under construction, so the bricks could have fallen, or, you know, carriage drivers, people be driving, like, crazy out here in London on the streets. Um, Horse gonna horse. But, uh, but then some, he also encounters someone who just straight up attacks him in, like, in the street, and, uh, he grazes his knuckles on the guy's teeth, which I'm, like, badass, like, as a yeah, verse, you know, I'm he, not, like... Because <laughs> well,
0: he goes to spend the day with Mycroft, and yeah. then on the way back home, he's heading home, heading to Watsons, and some chud just jumps out, with, like, a bludgeon, and he's like, join the club! And, so, <laughs> and he just has to trounce this dude. So, yeah, it's getting less and less subtle, which yeah. is interesting because it displays an increasing level of desperation on Moriarty's part. Yeah. Because, like Holmes, he he prides himself on his elegance and his, like, like economy of effort. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. 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 Efficiency. Like, why blow a guy's house up if you can just drop a brick on his head, right? Exactly. But yeah.
1: He's not about the drama. He's just he just wants to eliminate Holmes.
0: Exactly. Basically. That's not yeah. cost effective, Come on, <laughs> though. <laughs> right. Yeah. For and
1: for the fact that this story doesn't have a mystery in it, it's really well done. I think from a writer yeah. perspective, it does a great job as immediately establishing Moriarty as this horrifying dude who's incredibly powerful, and it it really just like almost rollicking through the whole story, except stressful version of rollicking.
0: Yeah, <laughs> he moves at a clip. Yeah. So Watson yeah. says, well, oh, shit, that's all bad news. Uh You're going <laughs> to spend the night here, right? And Holmes says, mm-hmm. and get your house blown up. I think not. All so, right. <laughs> uh... He gives Watson some instructions. Watson is to take a ridiculously cautious and elaborate route to the train station mm-hmm. the next day in service of reaching their reserved train car as unmurdered as possible. To have is yeah. if he can be murdered as few times as he can manage, Holmes would really <laughs> appreciate it. And Watson says, Okay, I will do this thing. And Holmes says, Okay, then I declare this meeting disbanded, throws down a smoke bomb, and he's gone. <laughs> yeah. What happens the next day, Nicholas?
1: Uh, next day, Watson follows Holmes' instructions to the letter. He, he hops in the carriage, he, he makes it, he gets to the, he gets to the train station unmurdered. um, and he arrives on the train, and he gets to the, the car where he's supposed to meet Holmes. Holmes isn't there. Watson starts getting a little more worried, and at the same time, he, uh, he encounters this elderly Italian guy who speaks very broken English and is trying to, like, sort something out with the railway conductor, and Watson's trying to help this dude, and, um... He does, and finally, you know, it, it, it all gets solved. And because of some mishap or something, the the guy ends up, the Italian uh, old guy ends up yeah. in the same reserved room that, uh, yeah, carriage their room that private uh, car, which in is the private a- car. Which Watson's yeah, but like, like- the railway,
0: the railway <laughs> yeah. warden was okay. So this guy, this old Italian man, this old priest, mm-hmm. I said it was, was yeah. talking to the railway warden, warden rather, and Watson comes up and says, "Oh, can I help? No, I can't." <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and the warden says, Oh, you're here. Okay. Well, you're going to take him now because I have other, other passengers. It's <laughs> your responsibility
1: now. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. So he's got the old Italian priest in his, in his car and in his
0: inventory. He's, yep.
1: he's still, he's still looking around for Holmes and the train whistle goes. The train is about to leave and Watson's like, Where the hell is Holmes? And then suddenly he hears Holmes's voice sitting across from him. Saying, Well, Watson, you haven't even it's said good a morning. Me. <laughs> Surprise. And it's uh it's Holmes in disguise, in such a good disguise that Watson didn't recognize him. Watson's totally which again reminds me of the whole scene with Holmes and Watson where he puts on the mustache and Watson's like, so where good. did he go? That's um, so good. Holmes so- and Watson,
0: you know what's interesting? Is that <laughs> the rise of Skywalker? Was a was a fun movie <laughs> to watch, but yeah. was a bad movie, right? Like right, a real right. bad movie, like right. a very bad movie. Like you said, you <laughs> we said can agree. two. You spend two movies setting mm. Ray up as a pole arm user, then you give her. <laughs> <laughs> I love how that
1: is. That is your number one reason for hating those movies. Like two
0: movies showing you her as a staff <laughs> class. Then you give her two matching lightsabers from her two mentors in the Force, mm-hmm. and you don't combine them, even though she had a dream where she had a bad double-blit... Mm. Anyway, point Unforgivable. Yeah. Point is, point is, uh Rise of Skywalker was a movie that was a lot of fun to watch, and... Like an old fragile picture from like an old photo book, every time I go back to the memory of that movie, it just falls apart a little bit yeah. more. Like it just yeah. gets worse and worse. What's interesting, Brad Kefauver, take note, is that Holmes and Watson kinda has the opposite effect. <laughs> Like, while, yeah. while I was watching it, I'm like, this is a bad, this is a garbage mm-hmm. movie. I'm mm-hmm. kind of mad. I'm watching it. Right. But, like, when I think back on it, it is with an increasing level
1: of fondness. Honestly, yeah, same. I mean, the first time I was, like, even the first time I was watching it, I was like, the the spirit is weirdly somehow there. Like, yeah. they they did actually kind of know what they were talking about. And if the movie were more co- cohesive, it would have been... Absolutely great! Like, as here's the thing, you know what it was?
0: Doyle would have approved of the movie, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think
1: so. I think Doyle would have made the movie if he'd been alive.
0: He definitely <laughs> he would. would have... Have... He would. Doyle would have looked at Holmes and Watson and said, "The stuff about it that you got right is awesome. The stuff you got wrong about it is stupid shit that deserves to be made fun of anyway. Well done. Yep, <laughs> and... yep. Exactly. He would have approved. <laughs> yeah. He would have been like, you
1: know what? Ninety percent round tomato score from from me, Arthur, yes. no, Arthur Conan Doyle. Um,
0: <laughs> Will Farrell tested, Doyle approved. Yep. So, okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. It so is, they're on the train. It is perhaps inevitably this yeah. Italian priest. Yeah. And I don't know about you. I, I am pretty proud of myself. I clocked this immediately. And again, nice. I don't know, I don't know if it's just, if it's just more cultural osmosis that one of the things we know about Holmes is that he disguises himself as people, mm-hmm. but yeah. like, immediately. well, and, and part of it is that there are no other real characters mentioned in the story, at least up to this point. They're just like, a guy over there, and doing this thing, and it's like, this yeah. old Italian priest is right over there. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't Let's know. give him a very... <laughs> Detailed description. <laughs> he had like a mini quest icon over his head. Yeah, I don't right. know. It's just something yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, for sure. Uh, so yeah, Holmes reveals himself, uh, to Watson. They look, they're looking out the window and they see as the train's pulling away Moriarty pushing his way through the crowd trying to get to them. They just yeah. narrowly missed him. Um, Good job, doofus. But. Moriarty
0: couldn't get here on time because ha- <laughs> he had to check your giant forehead <laughs> like, aha, loser, on like
1: flipping him off through the window. Um, but, <laughs> she stop uh, for that hot pretzel, dummy. <laughs> and, but Moriarty having his connections immediately is able to engage like a, I think it's just a single train car to, yeah. to follow them. And, uh, they get to a stop and they, they hop out and they, they hide or something or they send their luggage ahead and Correct. Moriarty As follows them. Yeah, on his yeah. he he falls forward. He takes he he goes after them on
0: the on the train car, and they're for the moment safe from Moriarty. Correct. Yeah. They can breathe for a second, and we learn we learn two interesting and important things. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, they set fire to the Baker Street house. Oh yeah, which yeah. <laughs> gets like a one sentence mention and blew my mind. Is Missus Hudson okay? <laughs> He's right. I like, I only
1: can assume that Holmes warned her ahead of time. I can see that. And would, yeah. Yeah. made sure that she was, that she knew what was going on. He, he did say he left a, um, although I don't know, uh, if he, he, I don't know if he'd so much as would have told cause when he comes back, Mrs. Hudson is surprised. So she really thinks that he's, or at least it's played that way. Uh, in the tv episode what i remember i don't remember what the story says she's probably right. not even mentioned because they don't talk about mrs hudson very much they don't the yes not
0: mentioned so i i just wondered if she was all right because that's i could see
1: him getting her out by some means like like right maybe telling her something that would like you know something clever without directly saying murderers right. are
0: after me make sure you're not in the house kind of well, thing. And- it's it's wild that I've never seen that part included in an adaptation because that is that is an incredibly powerful image. Oh yeah. If, if London is a character in these stories, then like the two twenty one B Baker Street is like the heart and soul of that character. And oh that right. Just, what an incredibly powerful symbolic thing to like. No, I'm gl- I'm literally burning your fucking house down. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't know. And we just never we never get that in any adaptation. Partially. Because, I mean, they certainly couldn't do it in the modern Sherlock one because that would be what, what is called domestic terrorism and that would be stepping things up a bit far. But. Well, they um, do.
1: I think at one point in one of the episodes, they? they do blow up the Baker Street rooms.
0: You know yeah. what? I might be misremembering. That could be, that could very yeah. well be. I remember, I, can't, I remember I, some I can't assassins. Remember, yeah, I can't remember which story it was from, but I think it might have been the final problem. All I remember is that somebody, some assassins break in and threaten, like, they menace Mrs. Hudson, and Watson and Sherlock both go berserk. Yeah, that was good. Bananas. (laughs) Oh, so good. Um, You do not threaten Mrs. Hudson. (laughs) <laughs> you don't do it. We also learned that uh, Holmes had arranged for Mycroft to be Watson's carriage driver on the way over to the railway mm, station, which is yeah. really good. It's like, <laughs> we we have this, again, this cultural idea that Mycroft is, in fact, Sherlock's smarter, older brother. Mm. And, you know, we have this, this concept, depending on which version you're familiar with, because in uh, the Robert Downey Jr. ones, it's Stephen Fry, isn't it? Yeah. And he's played as this, like, borderline social incompetent. Like, mm, yeah, but just the idea that he's sitting there dressed up like a little coachman, and he's like, "I am the smartest fucking man in England. <laughs> I'm driving this doctor to the train station. I'm picking a friend up at the airport. That's what this is. This yep. is what my idiot brother has me doing. Yep. <laughs> it basically
1: is. Yeah, and I mean, it's a big. I think the, I, I actually really like that detail because I do too. it's, it's very much established that Mycroft hates going outside um, right. at all it so sucks it's so out there <laughs> so not only is he going outside but he's driving a coach and so you oh, it kind of just even adds huh. it even adds to the seriousness of it that like Mycroft is not only out of his house but right running around doing stuff it's you know yeah so this was Holmes's cool. christmas
0: present yeah he right. owes him big yeah
1: i wish so, i really wish Mycroft showed up in more stories because he the dynamic is so interesting cuz they're great. they're like, really, they're best friends. Like, uh, Holmes, or, uh, Holmes and, uh, Mycroft are, like, really in canon, always very jovial to each other. They're always, like, you know, they're, they've they clearly got
0: some good sibling bonding sibling going bond. on there. Yeah. It's, it's However, pretty cool. Does, how many times does he show up in the canon? Does he, is he like a, like I, an active player? I thought he was just, like, mentioned. There's an episode
1: where he's introduced, and then I think he does show up in one more episode where, like, Holmes right. calls on him for help or something. O- only two or three, I think. Right. Not, not very many.
0: Yeah. So Watson says, Aha, he didn't catch us at the train station. Surely we've shaken him for good. <laughs> right? Holmes <laughs> is like, Oh, like, buddy. Uh, guy. So Watson, inter- entertain <laughs> the idea for a moment. This this guy is evil me, right? Yeah. Do you see me giving up because I missed a train? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> i don't know frig. how i don't know how clear i need to make this for you this yeah right yeah. this guy is evil frig Me indeed it's real bad so mm-hmm. the idea is that he is gonna catch up with them uh at canterbury before before they dupe him they make him the very dupe foot with their luggage gambit uh but they get yeah. and watson is like well why can't we just have this guy arrested like he spent all this time dismantling his network he says okay well here's the problem with that if it was just me like if i was the bad guy I work alone-ish, like, if you just got me, that's fine, you got me, you win. Mm -hmm. But Moriarty's whole thing is that he has set up an almost self-perpetuating machine. So, like, even if we catch him, all of his lieutenants are still out there, still doing his work out in the world like apostles, and I, (laughs) Casey, reading this story, doubt- Powerfully that he would stay meaningfully arrested for any length of time, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. He he'd be he'd be continuing his operations from jail somehow. Exactly. (laughs) You know. It would it would be like just like in the Valley of Fear, like he'd be sitting in like like a Hannibal Lecter style suite, like he'd have like a really nice table and like, right. uh, like the, there'd be there'd be like a violinist in a jail outfit, just it would, <laughs> quill, quill and ink
1: pen, just like him writing out his instructions and
0: exactly, getting dear the- warden, I received your bottle of champagne, my love to the misses, right, yeah, yeah. yeah, right. So they hide behind a pile of luggage just as Moriarty's train passes. And I imagined, as I think all readers were intended to by Doyle, although we do, you know, death of the author is a thing that is, but I think he did intend for us to imagine that the piles of luggage were shaped exactly like a tall thin guy and a short fat guy. Yeah. <laughs> <And they were laughs> peek it out from
1: mind each one. They peek exactly. out and like Holmes' head is underneath and then Watson's head is like in the cartoon around the corner, just like. <laughs> exactly
0: very yeah. good so they're safe for the moment and watson mm-hmm. says well what would have happened if he'd caught us and holmes says oh he would have straight up murdered our ass physically out. attacked
1: me yeah like we're beyond exchanging petty words at this point we're just gonna, exactly just,
0: yeah <laughs> well and the thing the great thing about holmes is that he doesn't he doesn't linger unnecessarily on things he can't control so he says oh yeah no he would have killed us do you want to get lunch here or right <laughs> yeah <laughs> just immediately it's yeah so good. It's very good. Yeah. I love it whenever they mention lunch. I want to know what lunch means to these people. More people eating in stories. I want to hear this. Right? Those. Tell me what they're eating. What did they, where did what they go? What did constitute? they have? What kind of sandwich are they? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Cause I don't, cause, cause see, there are two versions. You can see Holmes, like, refusing to eat, like, oh, this, the railway station is infested with northern Red beard rats and as a result, <laughs> I could not possibly eat anything. Or you could you could see Sherlock just like oh no no railway canteen food this is the best you got right it. yeah <laughs> the,
1: yeah I th- I think he I. The thing about Holmes is he really just, it, it's just what's, I think he, he, he operates well in both. He could, yeah. he could, you can see him eating at a restaurant one day and then just stuffing a sandwich into his pocket another day. Just like,
0: exactly. <laughs> pulling an apple out of random. Like, exactly. He's got like, I have the elements of sandwich here, so I'm just going to eat this bread and then eat this meat and then yep. I'll have technically had a sandwich. Yep, that's a sandwich, right? Yep. A while, <laughs> yeah. <but> yeah. <laughs> there, I ate. Are you happy? <laughs> so, yeah. He t, he, he wires to Scotland Yard, uh, saying, mm-hmm. hey, you should go arrest some dudes, and they do, uh, but they fail to get Moriarty. So Moriarty is now on the run in Europe. At this point, right. Holmes says, yo, Watson, you should go back to England because Moriarty cannot go back to England without risking his arrest. And mm-hmm. so, like, detached from his hub and his network, All of his murder energy is going to be focused on me. I could like spontaneously combust from the sheer, the sheer caustic hatred at any moment. So you should probably go home. Yeah. Moriarty under he knows at this point that all all the small
1: fish have been caught. uh, All of all of his lieutenants and everything. So now Moriarty basically has nothing to lose and he has nothing else to do except revenge himself upon Holmes.
0: Yeah. Which honestly kind of a bonehead move on Holmes's part. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I mean,
1: did he think that through? Is it the only option? Probably not.
0: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's kind of like what the Scourers did in Vermisa Valley, but I mean, that's, that's also the intended end game that Holmes was angling toward in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, he was always, he was always shaping this, this conversation, this conversation that he and Moriarty are having with the language of crimes and crime solving, like this, mm-hmm. this long verbal argument is, is ending eventually, uh, exactly where both of them want it to, which is right. this final confrontation.
1: Yeah. yeah. There's really no other way that it could go with no. being who these two men are. Exactly. Uh, and their it's, relation it's the to old, each
0: other. It's the old saw with, uh, the, the unstoppable, force and the immovable object and it turns out the answer to that is uh just throw him off a cliff yep just throw him a waterfall that's so the trip continues they have a lovely time and so there's always these little bits where watson just describes like oh yes we had a lovely weekend wandering up and down the valley like (laughs) just a little mini trip." and then they like
1: go on vacation yeah no he's like well i mean if we weren't if we didn't have a crazy dangerous madman after us this would have been a really nice holiday
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) like novelty sunglasses And a top right, hat like the, says, they're in Switzerland. The
1: weather, the the flowers are out. Everything's great. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so they they finally end up in uh, and and during the trip, a, a couple things. Uh, at, at one point they're hiking and a boulder comes down on them, right. and the the guides like, eh, you know that happens this time of year. But Holmes is like, no, it was that was definitely Moriarty. It's He's rock still season. After <laughs> us. It's rocks. It's a front rock fall season. You know, uh, every year, and. And, and yeah, so they, uh, they finally get to this, uh, this hotel in, uh, Switzerland and.
0: But yeah. before we get there, just one brief yes. thing I want to hit. Cause I think it's important. Yeah. Um. While they're on their way to Switzerland, uh, Holmes is reflecting upon his career with some measure of satisfaction, saying mm-hmm. uh, he's done good work, he feels good about it, he feels that his life may not have been entirely in vain, and mm-hmm. that the air of London is sweeter for him having been there and done his work, and says uh, that Watson's memoir will end on the day that he, Holmes, crowns himself with Moriarty's, quote, capture or extermination. Yeah. And... Like that is very specific language, and it, we didn't like it. Didn't go into this, but the way I read that was Watson being like, "Oh, so, so you mean you would kill that dude? Oh, yeah, no, hell yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, I would totally kill Moriarty. Yeah, <laughs> yes, <Yeah. Yeah. laughs> and that's like Holmes doesn't kill dudes, right? Like that's no, not his. That's not, not really. his deal. Yeah, no,
1: not if at all avoidable.
0: Yeah." So I think it, it really is just an, what's going on with there? What's, is there a cat doing a thing? Oh,
1: Strider just went into my closet.
0: That's fair. He just
1: needed to be in there. Now he came right back out.
0: Yeah, well. Why? He, he needed to be
1: in there very briefly. Are you just checking?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> just checking, just making sure?
0: Yeah, so I think checking that's a for what real we don't know that's a real emphasis on the stakes that are at play here. Cause he's like Batman, you know, Batman has one rule, which is not killing. So anyway, uh, yes, you were saying they, they, they stay at a wee inn in Switzerland, uh, which is run by a guy who worked at a restaurant that they love in London because life is ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. And, oh yeah. And, and Holmes tries to dismiss Watson. He tries to say, uh, you know, it's gonna be really dangerous from now on. It's just Moriarty coming after me, and obviously Watson right. being the Sam to his Frodo is like, absolutely not. I'm staying with you to the very end. Like, there's, there's no way you can possibly get
0: me to leave. So, they are staying at this little inn in Switzerland, and the guy who runs it, uh, recommends a little, a little hamlet where they could stay, uh, the night up there, but that mm-hmm. they must not miss the Falls of the Reichenbach, which is described as just an insane frothing water volcano. Yeah. Like just super it is
1: powerfully like just exact, bucketing down. Yeah. yeah.
0: It is a hurricane yeah. in one spot. And they're yeah. like, oh cool. The majesty of nature. <laughs> um <so laughs> I, had a, I had
1: the brief thought that like the innkeeper maybe was like paid off by Moriarty or something to mention that they should go there so they can meet I don't think so. Probably not.
0: But maybe I don't, no. n- eh. No, well, you that, so. I mean that's that's a that's a real thing. If there's something weird near your place of business, you're gonna be like, "Well, I should tell these people to go see it," then they'll tell their oh, friends. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Yeah, I don't know. I I well, especially because it, it did mention that the Reichenbach Falls were especially swollen with snowmelt. Like that mm. it was this was this particularly the best time right of the now, year. Yeah. was the time that this did this. Yeah.
1: This is kind of fun. You can actually look it up. There's um there's a placard at the waterfall at the at the physical like this is a real place. And what? uh yeah. This is I a didn't real know waterfall. That. Yeah, you can you can go there. And um That's right. Are we sure he wasn't a real guy? <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess not. But yeah, no, there's a you can look it up. There's a placard uh at the falls Saying something about like, this is where Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty met oh. their, you know, at their end, or I'll post a picture of it, uh, Please on the, on the Twitter. Please do. That feed. cannot yeah.
0: help with the confusion.
1: That's right. Like... I know. Yeah. So now you see why people think he was real.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, in a couple hundred years, we're going to have the same problem with Captain Kirk once they find that statue in Kansas.
1: Right. And the, the sign in Iowa saying future birthplace of Captain James T. Kirk.
0: That's what I meant. Uh, Iowa. Yeah, yeah. That makes more yeah. sense. Yeah. So, yeah, they're checking out the falls. It is all majestic and very good. So, <laughs> a little Swiss messenger boy, presumably in Lederhosen. I love this kid. Right. He,
1: I really he just... had that image of him as like one of the Sound of Music kids.
0: Exactly. Yeah, he's a little, he's a wee little von Trapp. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So he, uh, he comes up and he blinks, he blinks a message from Dr. Watson. Uh, and the note says that there is a terminally consumptive English woman. It wouldn't be a Sherlock Holmes story if one woman didn't die of the consumption. Right. Um, (laughs) That she has arrived at the inn and is refusing to see a Swiss doctor. Uh, she's thrown a blood clot or some shit and the innkeeper... Mm -hmm. Would consider it a personal favor if Watson uh, would come and minister to her in her final hours.
1: So, so Watson goes. Uh, he's like, yeah, you know, uh, I really don't want to leave, but I, I'm just, I'm just going to. Holmes, Holmes kind of persuades him to, you know, no, you should, you should go back. You should, uh, you should check it out. And so Watson leaves. Uh, Watson gets to the. Um, no, goes you must back go. Out.
0: I'll, I'll keep this little Swiss boy here with me for safety. As <laughs> right. you can see, he's got a corkscrew. He's got a magnifying glass. <laughs> He's got one of these weird metal blades with a hole in the end that no one's quite sure what that's for. He's got little scissors that don't work at all. He's got a <laughs> toothpick. He's got tweezers that'll get immediately lost, and then your dad will yell at you. You saw... This seems
1: specific. This seems very <laughs> specific. I don't... <laughs> I wonder if you might be speaking from... <laughs>
0: No, I did not have a little Swiss boy, Swiss boy of my own, no. So if Moriarty just comes at me, I'll just grab this little Swiss boy, and I'll take the magnifying glass. just brandish glass. him as a, yeah. Just, yeah, exactly. Brandish just the whole slowly. kid. As- yeah.
1: <laughs> find the Human sun. <laughs> um,
0: well, so Watson goes think- back to the, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> oh no, I was just going to say what I don't. What I don't understand is that like, so Watson agrees he'll go. The little Swiss boy will stay here and attend to Sherlock while he appreciates the falls, and then while he makes his way to the little hamlet where they'll spend the night, and then Watson will come hang out with him afterwards. What right. the little boy is meant to do after that, no one seems terribly worried about. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? Presumably, <laughs> he'll just be set free into the Alps, his natural habitat, to avoid what? his natural predator, the Nazis. There's always,
1: like, a boy, and it's never explained what, like, is, does he work for the hotel? Is he just that some random kid they, they God. pulled off the street? Um but it is, it, it is eventually revealed that it was, that he was hired by Moriarty. Once again, right. it was another, it's like, true. this, this he is got an this evil little too. boy. This an is, evil yeah. little Swiss child. <laughs> this is not some random kid <laughs> off the street. Um, no. So Watson goes back to the hotel and as he's walking up to the hotel he asks the um the owner, like I, I doubt she's not any worse. And the hotel guy's like, What what are you talking about? Who? You talking and about? What's... and immediately Watson's like, Okay, there's there's no sick woman here and he confirms it with the he's like, So there's no sick woman here, no English Men woman who and he's wrote like, No, sure Exactly. yeah, exactly. And um notes to and meet he looks you. With the And the the Uh, The innkeeper looks at the note, and he's like, oh, well, I definitely didn't write this. It must have been that tall English guy who was here earlier. Obviously, Moriarty and Watson just completely turns around on his heel, goes right back.
0: Yeah. Here's the thing. Two quick things about this. One, uh, Moriarty so... When Watson was walking back, he says that he saw a mysterious figure watching in the direction that he had just walked back from Holmes. You yeah, know, being there at the yeah, end of it. no, he does. And, and he straight up sees somebody. Immediately dismisses it like a man fleeing a yeah. murderous criminal should always do.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, like as as on edge as Watson is clearly like he immediately realizes once that, came, that like there's that it was all like a sham. But exactly. yet he sees a dude walking up to the waterfall quickly and doesn't. And it's just like, ah, oh, that's probably fine. Like Yeah. Yeah, it's that real was really bad. I had to it's I had real to bad.
0: Suspend quite a bit a of, lot disbelief of disbelief. there for a second. Well and here's here's the other thing that makes me <laughs> yeah, really like, happy yeah. that I'm that I'm only thinking of right now. So uh-huh. Watson zoops back to the falls, but even at maximum zoop, it takes him two hours to get there. And he says, he says it took him an hour to walk back down to the, to the, to the inn to see that there was in fact no consumptive English woman and two hours. So you're telling me that this little Swiss boy walked an hour (laughs) to bring a message to two dudes who may or may not have been standing at a waterfall. And also
1: that, and also, okay, it takes one hour to go down, down, downhill. Which exactly. is usually faster as far as oh, my experience so, yeah, goes. Ex- exactly. So a little Swiss boy even had to if walk two hours. Right. Even if you're running, going downhill back to the hotel took you one hour. But somehow running to go rescue your best friend in the world, uh, I assume booking it the whole time, takes you two? Right. And also you're yeah. going up. Well, maybe it's exactly. because he is going up. Maybe that was right. part well, of it. Well, and he's know.
0: done a lot of walking
1: that day. They've already that's walked true. the
0: trail up there. That, yeah, that's very true. Oh, man, those calves. Oof. Watson Ooh, yeah. is not skipping leg day.
1: He's yeah, he's having a bad time all around. He gets to the top of the waterfall and he so the path up the waterfall, uh it's described it ends abruptly. The, the only way to go back is that you have to double back the same way. There's one path. Uh it doesn't loop around anywhere. So he gets to right. the top of the he gets to the end of the path. It ends at the waterfall. And um Holmes isn't there, but his walking stick is there, and he immediately kind of just assumes the worst uh right he not unreasonably uh, he, as it turns out yeah, note yeah he takes a quick look around he sees that uh under Holmes's stick there's a piece of paper folded and it's a note from Holmes uh saying that uh, uh Moriarty uh Moriarty is letting me write this note it's a whole do you want to just read it or
0: yeah I, I have the yeah. letter here let's see mm-hmm. the note reads my dear Dr Watson. I write these few lines through the courtesy of Mr. Moriarty, who awaits my convenience for the final discussion of those questions which lie between us. (laughs) Again, very polite, very courteous. No, no, (laughs) take all the time you need. I'll sit here and look at the (laughs) pause. I've been meaning to look at this, by the way. Just, (laughs) (laughs) right? Well, and see, here's the thing. The final discussion of those questions, by which we mean punching like it's (laughs)
1: the way he phrases it sounds so it sounds like they're about to whip out foils and like have a little fencing duel civilized they're really just like just just grabbing each other and just
0: definitely english guy
1: fighting yeah he
0: has he has been giving me a sketch of the methods by which he avoided the english police and kept himself informed of our movements they certainly confirmed the very high opinion which i had formed of his abilities which begs the question, is more already reading this over his shoulder? He's like, talk some more about how cool you think I am. <laughs> right. Like-,
1: <laughs> like, oh, you want to write a good note? All right, but make me sound good.
0: Exactly, yeah. Just, you know. <laughs> okay, you can write a letter to your boyfriend, but just, like, say nice stuff about me as well. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you have to make me sound as cool as possible. <laughs>
0: I am pleased to think that I shall be able to free society from any further effects of his presence, though I fear that it is at a cost which will give pain to my friends, and especially, my dear Watson, to you. I have already explained to you, however, that my career had, in any case, reached its crisis, and that no possible conclusion to it could be more congenial to me than this. And indeed, if I may make a full confession to you, I was quite convinced that the letter from Meringon was a hoax. And I allowed you to depart on that errand under the persuasion that some development of this sort would follow. Ooh! So when the little creepy Swiss boy came up, Holmes was like, "That's about right. That's the one fifteen Swiss boy. Yeah, yep. we're right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell Inspector Patterson that the papers which he needs to convict the gang are in pigeonhole M, done up in a blue envelope and inscribed Moriarty. I made every disposition of my property before leaving England and handed it to my brother Mycroft. Pray give my greetings to Mrs. Watson. And believe me to be, my dear fellow, very sincerely yours, Sherlock Holmes.
1: It's good. It's it's It's, really good. As a send-off, like if if you were reading this really thinking that this was it, and not knowing that there that Holmes was ever gonna come back, I would have like Yeah. I would have been crying, shoot. Like
0: (laughs) So Watson does the thing that Watson tries to do in Mm -hmm. every adaptation, which is that he tries to engage his Sherlock vision. Um yeah because at least like in the beginning the premise was that he was trying to learn how to Sherlock, right? Mm-hmm. He was like I'm trying to learn this deductive method. And so right. he applies it here at the end and like the scene is is clear as day. It's easy to yeah. read. Uh yeah. here was a scuffle. There are two sets of footprints leading out to the edge and there are none coming back. You mm. you know, you don't yeah. have to be a Moriarty to do that math. Am right. I right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, yeah,
0: so, yeah, Watson
1: heartbreakingly tries to, um do what Holmes would have done and figure out what happened. He, he concludes that that must, they must have gone over the falls gripping each yeah. other in their, in their last fight. And, and that's it. And that letter that's and it. the cigarette case is all that he's gonna have left of his, yep. his best friend for years. And it's just like, and then it kinda ends with just him being, uh, saying, you know, I, I wanted to, once again, I wanted to publish this account to yeah. set the record straight uh, for anything who anyone who would say anything against um, uh, Holmes, who is the best and wisest man that he's yeah. ever known. And I wanted it's to, just, yeah, the yeah, best and wisest man. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to
0: tell Colonel James Moriarty to shut his fucking pie hole because he doesn't right? know what the <laughs> hell he's talking about. Yeah. But yeah, Moriarty's gang Moriarty's gang, thanks to this evidence he has set up in this pigeonhole, uh Moriarty's gang is very publicly obliterated, which Mm -hmm. is very satisfying. But that no trace no trace is ever found of either man or of the Swiss boy, who I imagine crawled beneath the mountain, and there he lived on a little hut on an island in an underground lake, forgetting the taste of bread, the feel of sunlight upon his (laughs) skin and the sound of running water. But that's a tale for another time. (laughs) What'd you think of the ending? And also as
1: someone who knows who read it, cause you had a different experience with it. Cause exactly. I read it not knowing Holmes or at least how Holmes was going to come. I knew it was going to come back, but I didn't know how, uh, but you knew everything basically. Yeah. That, it's yeah. a
0: fundamentally different experience. And yeah. given that, that I knew that this was like a middle part of the story and not the end of Holmes's story. I don't think it had the same punch. No, um, definitely not. Not that not no. Um yeah, it, it yeah, it really it just seemed like an intentional like bit of setup, which I mean, honestly, if if you think about it, is really a credit to Doyle, because he mm-hmm. wrote in such a way that like, even though he didn't intend to bring Holmes back at all. He also didn't write it in such a way that it was like and then they found Sherlock's corpse. It was definitely him. 100%, right, exactly, y'all. It's, it's almost like...
1: like it's almost like in the back of you could you would almost think in the back of the, his mind he knew he might want to bring him back someday or have right. to or at he because that
0: he wanted to preserve the mystery.
1: Right, yeah, no exactly. Uh or that. I yeah, it's I it, it does Work. I mean, surprisingly. I mean, he once he realized he had to actually bring Holmes back. It's kind of mm-hmm. like I could see him just pulling out that story and being like, "All right, how am I going
0: to make this work?" What and the, what the fuck did I say happened? Right, and like, honestly, <laughs> I threw past off a cliff. Doyle, what do
1: you people want. <laughs> and at that time, like at that time, it, I I feel like past Doyle must have been like kind of doing a service for present day Doyle, having to bring Holmes back. He's like, "Well, I'm glad I wrote it that way. At least they didn't exactly. find his body because." now I got Thank gotta, God!
0: Yeah, I didn't have him eaten by bears or anything. Yeah, right, like that would have been really hard to explain. Yeah. Um. um over, overall, I liked it. to think The thing is, I couldn't. Because I knew it was all leading to the thing, and I'm like, mm-hmm. "When is it going to be the thing? How is this yeah. part of the story going to serve as the thing?" Sherlock is specifically asking for a light, or a match to light his cigarette with. Does that have something to do with the way he's going to end up thrown off the cliff? So it's kind yeah. of, <laughs> it's it's kind of the central point around which the entire rest of the story orbits, instead of being the what I imagine was supposed to be a a uh, a sudden and shocking cutoff. Mm-hmm. um in yeah. in what the readers assumed would be a longer story um and so in that sense i i wouldn't say it's unsatisfactory uh i definitely yeah. i definitely liked it it's just like you know it's uh, again going back to the dresden files uh at mm-hmm. the end at the end of the 12th book the 12th book was the end of a major act in the story of the dresden files and harry is apparently killed at the end of it um Got it. which yeah. is a whole big lead up. There's, there are omens about his death from other dark wizards. He gets cursed at one point that like with a, a some dark wizard's dying breath, he tells Harry to die alone, which is the scariest mm. fucking thing. And yeah, and Harry gets shot and apparently dies in the 12th book. And the mm. 13th book is called Ghost Story. And then, he comes back in the 14th book because he wasn't really dead because reasons. And like, it all makes, yeah. it all makes sense internally and it's all good. But like, if you're reading the 12th book and you're like, oh shit, this dude just died, but also I know there are four more books where he's definitely not dead. So, <laughs> right. It's, yeah. It's, it's yeah. kind of hard to feel the
1: impact of the death of this made of this character when you know exactly. that he's not. It's, it's
0: like watching anything sci-fi well, or, it is. And <laughs> or fantasy it's, where you, there's you're like, like, are they really? In the dead moment, There's like an in-the-moment suspension of disbelief that's necessary because like if you're halfway through a book and the main character is in Mortal Danger, you have to trick some part of you. You have to trick a tiny piece of your brain into Mm -hmm. being able to sincerely say, oh shit, I guess this is it. I guess the rest of these pages are just going to be blank because that's (laughs) that's (laughs) the emotional space that you're supposed to be occupying, right? Mm. And it's – Yeah. It's – it's a task that you have to train your brain to be able to do and I wasn't able to pull it off here because I know, Oh that well, dude's not dead though. It's okay, he was fine. <laughs> it's been a hundred years, like you know. Exactly. Like- <laughs> yeah. It's it's right. like if you're reading the Bible for the first time, you're like, Well, I don't know what these people are talking about. This Jesus guy dies. What's the big deal? Di- <laughs> <You laughs> <know? laughs> <Yeah, it's- laughs> right. And spoiler know, alert for was, the bible um spoiler yeah. alert for the bible no yeah. it was good uh it was good to get some in-person moriarty that was extremely creepy they talked about how his head just kind of swayed in a mm-hmm. sort of reptilian uh snake from the jungle book fashion whose name escapes me at the moment because i hate mm. the jungle book um
1: <laughs> all right yeah. Any particular reason,
0: or Oh, it's just bad. Uh, I hate yeah. <laughs> a lot of what is referred to argue as the Golden you, but... Age Disney. I I hate Pinocchio oh, so yeah. much. Pinocchio is creepy just from beginning Pinocchio's to end. Very bad. You know what it is? Pinocchio has no self-respect. Pinocchio <laughs> is at the point where Disney realized we can make anything and the kids will just gobble it up because up until now child entertainment has been like working in a coal mine so we can just do whatever and right. I, I, <laughs> yeah i don't know i hate pinocchio so much i hate alice in wonderland mm-hmm. i hate uh the jungle book well obviously the the jungle book is super racist for a million rudyard Kipling reasons, but yeah. also like King Louie was originally gonna be played by Louis Armstrong, and then one person who hopefully didn't go to the bad place when they died said, <laughs> you know, maybe we shouldn't have an orangutan named Louis played by a black man also named Louis. Just a thought. And yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Real bad. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> right. fuck Fair. the Jungle Book. Whatever. Yeah. I didn't mean to. Go- <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> I, it. Give me I, I, Disney I, Renaissance. Give me I, Disney I, Renaissance. Yeah. And give me. Give me the just pre Disney Renaissance, like when they were trying to get back on their feet, but before Merida kicked off. Exactly. Yeah, Merida is still racist. Don't get me wrong, but it has. Yes. It, it, it's still good. It's
1: it has got good bits.
0: Yeah. It's give cats. me Five Goes. Yeah. No, Five Goes West was Don Bluth, wasn't it?
1: Shit. I really would be surprised if 50 was disney um yeah, it's no, so FIBA, oh no it's
0: kind of, uh, not no no i was gonna say they're jewish that's not no, no, no. <laughs> not to be that guy but um well yeah. disney was a raging anti-semite anyway <laughs> yeah uh yeah overall i enjoyed this and like if i had thought this would be a finale to holmes i would have thought that it was uh sudden and shocking and elegant and that that note really did tie things up nicely. And honestly, like, you know, we we were just watching an episode of The Simpsons, uh, the uh, the one with Poochie, Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie, mm-hmm. and I hadn't seen it since I was a kid, and I know a lot more about stories now and about the production of art, and I didn't realize the last time I watched it, but I realized it now, that the whole episode is is really about the process of making a show and about trying to please your fans and about the relationship between creator and audience. And, mm-hmm. like, this note... That Doyle has Sherlock write is clearly not only a communication to Watson, but it's a communication to the reader, to the audience, saying like, look, I have written all the Sherlock I can as best as I know how. Mm. The Sherlock is done. I have written like this, just let it be over, please. You know, my career, my career in any case has reached its crisis and no Mm. more, and no possible conclusion to it could be more genial to me than this. So, it it serves as an extremely
1: well done i think fitting end to a character if it had it been his end um, yeah. And, yeah, and and I, and
0: it, it's 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 a pretty it's a pretty elegant way for for a creator to try to communicate with his audience too doyle clearly yeah yeah, yeah he clearly had respect for his fans he and did. for people and who and liked the Sherlock Holmes Right. You know, they made him one of the first celebrity authors. They, you know, it cre- it invented fandom. And that's, you know, talking about that earlier, like I'm mm. sorry, uh Super Hulocks, you guys did not invent <laughs> fandom. It's it's been around forever. It's just mostly been message boards and weird conventions and stuff before that. Right, But like yeah. the the reason Sherlock Holmes has able to has been able to be a fandom literally the entire time is because mm. it's it's dressed up in this like this wardrobe of respectability, right? Because it's oh, this is serious British literature. It's okay yeah. that we're obsessed with this to a frankly worrisome degree. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's serious business. So no, I I think I think it was a respectful way to say to the readers, uh, look, this this has been a wonderful thing that I never really expected to happen, and I've done everything that I have can with it, and please let me metaphorically uh, throw my career off a waterfall. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Ooh. Well, wait a minute. Hmm. So, if this note is Doyle saying these things to the audience, and if... Sherlock is therefore the Doyle surrogate, and if Moriarty is the shadow Sherlock, does that uh-huh. mean that Moriarty does that mean that Moriarty is the audience? Does that mean that Moriarty is the reader? I always thought. What, what about Watson? Yeah, I thought Watson was the reader. Well, Watson can be the individual reader, but maybe yeah. Moriarty is like the audience as a whole because he's constantly foiling Holmes's plans. They're constantly mm-hmm. jousting with one another and trying to outdo one another. Doyle I is would, constantly... Go ahead. I would be quite careful in uh, comparing
1: Moriarty to... The fandom. Is that what you're saying? uh, (laughs) The bad fandom. If we take fandom as a purely bad thing. I kind of want to have this discussion just a little bit. Not the whole discussion because it's endless. But do you consider fandom as primarily a good thing or primarily a bad thing? I think it's very... it's very complicated to me. It is because I like a lot of things really hard, and I like I a lot of very do, popular things. Sherlock yeah. Holmes and Star Trek are two of my biggest uh things that I'm into, and they're the fandom is massive. Like, and also both like very original fandom kind of things. Like, yeah. Star Trek, old school. Star Trek fans basically invented fan fiction, um, right. and. It's – but but at the same time, I'm just not – for whatever reason, I'm not very engaged in the whole convention aspect, the whole like right. really talking to other people. I'm more the kind of person who will like find one other person who I already kind of know who yes. likes the thing and then talk to them about it. I'm, I'm not exactly just going to reach out way. to random people on the internet uh, who I don't know and try to talk to them about it. Um,
0: I'm and- exactly the same way.
1: Yeah. And like, occasionally I'll watch some discourse from the, from the distance, uh, and just be like, what are people arguing about? Who has the valid points in my opinion, but I'm never really going to engage just because I think it's impossible to win. Uh, but I don't know. I I think there's definitely the good part about it. I would say is it does bring people together. If you have a hard time, it's hard. It's just straight up hard to make friends as an adult. Uh, first of all, uh, if you, you know, you, you've got your job and you've got, clubs or anything else but it's just once you're not in school anymore it's just kind of hard to meet people and consistently hang out with them and have stuff in common with random strangers that you work with um so it definitely does have the pro of like bringing people together and i'm sure there's many people who became who developed long-time friendships over a fandom you know who right. that that evolved into real like deeper things um but there's also the I I think what really I don't know if it is the thing that ruined BBC Sherlock but I think it definitely had a big hand in it was that the fans just influ the fans started influencing the writers into yeah. I think the whole you should have made Holmes and Watson a couple kind of just evolved monstrously into eventually like, you need to write this show exactly how we want to see it done. And right. the creators, instead of being like, no, we have this idea, we're going to go with it, were like, well, maybe we should give the fans what they want, but also try to do this and also try to appease all these other people. We we're going to try to make right. everyone happy. And by doing that, you make nobody happy and you ruin
0: your show. <laughs> um, right. Instead so, of just telling the story you wanted to tell in the first place. Yeah. Right.
1: And it's not, and I don't think that, Creators should um, just completely ignore the fans and never listen to anything they say. Because occasionally if a creator does something shitty, they should have the chance to right. um, you know, fix it. Uh uh, particularly in the instance of like straight white male creators right. trying to create representation and people who are actually, you know, LGB or T uh correcting them on what they did wrong. But they also definitely shouldn't just be like, I'll do whatever the fans want me to do. You know, right. fan service all day, every day. Uh, and it's, I guess it's hard to find that balance
0: and it's, uh. Well yeah, cause, cause nothing makes a, nothing makes a fan angrier than just giving them what they want, right? Right. Yeah. It's like,
1: yeah. it's, it's, it's strange. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think it can be unhealthy if you engage with it in an unhealthy way. Uh, it, it, yeah. But I, I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily say, fandom culture is a good thing or a bad thing it's it's a thing that's out there and i think people just have to be careful
0: i think it's a human thing yeah um i think it is part of being human to find Mm -hmm. stories and characters that you see yourself in or that you see uh a version of yourself you would like to see in. Absolutely. Yeah. It is it is human to bring stories into yourself and say this is mine, this is part of me and I am part of it and therefore mm. it is important and therefore I am important because of my attachment to it. And yeah. this is the reason uh, this is the reason when you discover Kingdom Hearts in 2001 that you are actually very hesitant to talk about it with anyone <laughs> because you feel like it is yours <laughs> and to yeah to talk about it with anyone else will be to make it less special and as a result you become uh sort of gatekeepy and bad when Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. yeah when watchmen when the film adaptation of watchmen came out in 2008 i was working at blockbuster at the time and we got a great big stack of the collected graphic novel the trade paperback uh to sell to people who you know wanted to watch the movie or whatever and i hid them shits because I had just uh I had just discovered comics, I was the first person to discover comics, Nick, did you know that? Wow, oh my goodness, I, I have no idea my friend. my cred is through the roof, but i had i was a I was a young shithead who thought he knew what was best for everybody, and I hid them shits because I thought it would be better. For people not to get them than for this work of genius, brilliant art, which it is. Watchmen Mm -hmm. is one of the definitive works of comics that proves it can be both art and literature. It's very important, even if you don't agree with many of its messages. Um, I thought it would be better for them not to be sold than to fall into the wrong hands. And it feels... Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel great to say that that's the person I was. There was no discourse on gatekeeping at the time, you know. There was there right. was no I, and and I certainly wasn't a part of the Watchmen fandom or the comics fandom, and I'm not a part of any fandoms now because that's not, that's not how my relationship to stories articulates itself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like you said, like The Way of Kings is my favorite book. It's a book I think about pretty much every day, and I pretty much only talk to Dylan about it, mm. but we do for hours at a time. I don't go to the message yeah. boards I don't because I don't I it's kind of like the secret society, the uh the lodge of the freemen in the valley of fear. I don't get spending hours of your free time <laughs> with other people just in general. No, that's not true. Um, yeah. like me. But like, <laughs> me. <laughs> but like <laughs> devoted to this thing that is outside yourself, not Not for its own sake is not necessarily what I mean, but like, I don't want to go to a social club for three hours, three nights a week. I want to go home. And like, I don't want to (laughs) talk about, I don't want to talk about the Way of Kings on message boards and argue about what the placement of what comma meant. I want to go read the Way of Kings. Mm -hmm. And like, what, what you think about the Way of Kings and whether or not Kaladin is white and how Dalinar's name should be pronounced and whether or not this is sexist and all that. Like, you can have your interpretation of the thing and that does not and, and should not affect my enjoyment of the thing. I'm not worried about other people enjoying it wrong. That doesn't. That doesn't enter into my—and, like, it's it's not just books, and it's easy to look at Sherlock and say that this is a very particular thing with a very scholarly source, but, again, it's not—just like stories are a human thing, like gatekeeping and holier-than-thou shitheadism is also a very human thing. Robert Parrott— uh, our buddy, our buddy over there, published author, was talking about how he was talking to some other dudes about the new Animal Crossing that's coming up, and he got like no true Scotsman about some opinion he had <laughs> yeah. in the community about a video game where a raccoon is the mayor and you build a house, like, it's... and you talk to cute little animals all that. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I think it's human nature to take something that is important to us and protect it and as we see in human relationships as we see in many aspects of the world the line between protecting a thing and being dangerously and toxically overprotective of that thing is mm-hmm. a very thin blurry wiggly line and it is very yeah. difficult to know which side of it you're on until it's much much too late yeah um absolutely again fandom as we know it today uh, mm-hmm. And, of course, fandom has been around for – since – if there were – like, if there was internet 3,000 years ago, there would be a Homer fandom. Like, there would be yeah. Odyssey bros Odyssey, <laughs> yeah. out there talking about The Shakespeare oh, fandom no, the, just wilding out. <laughs> exactly. No, this, the Spartans – the Spartans weren't gay, bro. They didn't go in for that. Like, it's, it's – <laughs> yeah. nothing changes, right. right? Humans is humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like fandom as we know it, especially like the the Super Who lock era that was super <laughs> prevalent in the last decade. And like I was like in terms of where my interests aligned, I was one of them shits. i, binge- mm. I binge-watched Supernatural. I well, mainly cuz <laughs> like monsters and stuff is is totally my jam. That was that was the top yeah. of the the pyramid for me. I watched yeah. the hell out of Doctor Who, and a large part of that is because those three programs were very accessible right? They were. They were everywhere. You didn't have to hunt them down. You didn't have to... They weren't difficult to get a hold of. And a lot of them... And all three of them were full of pretty boys, which yeah. as, you, as you mentioned, <laughs> fandom, it's not that fandom is largely a female space. I am definitely not a dude here talking about female roles in fandom. That's not what's right. happening. But I'm, I'm just saying the female voices are prevalent in them because for the longest time, only men have been allowed to be like definitive or authoritative fans of things. The Baker Street Irregulars, as we learned, were a sexist bullshit society who acted like that had any relevance in the- the appreciation of Sherlock Holmes. Like, that's nonsense. As if gender had anything to do with it. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Right. So, I... I hesitate to call social activities a form of art, but I will call them that in the sense that they are an extension of the self into physical space, like any other art form, and that, Mm -hmm. like all art, they are, to an extent, self-portraiture. So... If you've put together this place for yourself in a fandom that is toxic and that is bad, mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessarily that fandom is bad. I think it's that you're bringing issues that were inherent to you and to what you enjoy in things to the table and that therefore you're fucking the table up.
1: Yeah. I think, I think there's also an element too of, of it, uh, where there's a difference between, and sometimes it is hard to find the line but you do have to draw it there's a difference between i identify with this character mm-hmm. and this character is me and i'm going to project myself onto this character okay uh, or or this is i'm gonna to me. I, don't, I don't get
0: this go on tell or, me
1: or i'm gonna like take on at or i like this character so much i'm gonna try to be like them and take on attributes of them which gets okay. very complicated when you have characters who are written as having gray morality or characters who are villains that people like. And they're, um, and they, they see themselves, they see parts of themselves in this character. And so they think like, yeah, this is a role model for me or something like that. And it gets hard for people to distinguish between like, you know, not everyone's a psychologist. Not everyone is going to be, not everyone's a lit major. uh, Right or understands how writing works, they're just watching it for entertainment, and they are, yeah. in, they are taking in
0: They the messages well, of the show. Well, and we're just people. Anybody's just a person. Right. Oh, just yeah, because, no, absolutely. I'm not were...
1: saying I'm some authority on, like, well, you,
0: you know. know. And see, here's the thing. <laughs> even, even psychologists, any therapist, any psychologist will tell you that just because you understand, like, psychological mechanisms and why things happen, there's a quote from an author called Nick Pizzolato that says... Mm-hmm. Eventually, you've got to understand that an answer isn't the same thing as a solution, and a story is sometimes only an excuse. And mm-hmm. uh, that's written in the context of the Cosmic Horror book that that's, you know, used as a, as a preface to. But yeah. what I mean by that is, like, you, you can ask any any psychologist or any teacher, and, like, understanding the mechanisms of what lead to toxic behavior doesn't mean you're safe from those yeah. So even even people who understand oh this is why fandom is deeply unhealthy are still are still prey to those same mechanisms because they're mm. they're universal human things. It's universal to as you said take a character who means something to you and say well if you're talking shit about this character then you're talking shit about me right right yeah yeah which is interesting because like
1: in the first place someone else invented that character it's not even right. your original character but it, I don't know not I, you it's, it's not you but. I, I, get it. I, 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 do understand it to a certain degree. Uh, you, you, stories are about explaining the human experience and they've just right. gotten more and more complicated as we became more complicated as a society. And there's always that need to, uh, for, for representation. I want to see myself as right. the hero. I want to see myself in these characters. Right. And, When, you know, you, when you like a certain type of story, like, like how people were freaking out when they made a female doctor in Doctor Who. Right. And all the little girls who grew up watching Doctor Who were like, Hey, finally, like, that's, this is awesome. But people were so mad about it. Uh, all the people who'd gotten the first 10 or wait, the first 11 or 12 white guys, (laughs) like weren't enough for those fans apparently. And they were angry about it. And it's just like, it's yeah, I don't know really where I was going with that, but you—it's it, human nature to want to see yourself represented. You well, want to be it, able it to not because... only root for the hero, but you want to relate to the hero on like yeah. a personal well, I think level. You,
0: I think you just hit the nail on the head. If the if the purpose of the story as a tool, as 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 a as a platonic object, if the point of the story is to explain the world, then in order for you to make sense in that story there has to be a place for you to fit in that world right yeah exactly yes
1: you worded it really well um yeah for sure and it's imp- and i mean like it it's everyone relates to different things and right. obviously it's impossible to have a character to perfectly represent every viewer right. who's out there but you should at least try you know like you and, should. which is and why see, yeah I which is why one of, of the main yeah, one of the main reasons why, like, Deep Space Nine is one of my favorite Star Treks is because it is, uh, one of the most diverse casts. Right. Uh, and that, and the original series as well. Uh, well, Star Trek in general just really- It's always been good is, at that. It's one of the few shows that goes out of its way to yeah. include as many diverse, uh-
0: Thanks to Lucille Ball, man. as Right? Yeah, yeah
1: exa- exactly. And, which is why it's so massive now, is just because there are so many variations in what kinds of people are Star Trek fans because there's actually, you know, women and people of color on the show for them to see. And it's it's huge. It's very important. And,
0: yeah, what were you going to say? Well, so the bone of contention there is that if the purpose of a story is to give you a way to see yourself in the world that lets you be a part of... The solution, a part of making sense of things, a part of the explanation. So the question becomes what degree of effort should be required by the audience, by the participant, by the reader, by the viewer? What Mm -hmm. degree of effort should be incumbent upon them to do the work? to identify basically, should they find a character and figure out how to identify with them, or should be they, or should they be handed a character to which they are already predisposed to identification? Because that's what they're gonna that's what they're saying. Right. Is like yeah. if you if you don't give me a man as the doctor, then I'm gonna have to do some work in order to see myself in this yeah. story, and that's not what I'm used to. Yeah. And Right, and that's that's why it, I,
1: th- there's a lot to go into there, but I think that that's why Yeah, that maybe uh, was,
0: that maybe wasn't yeah. a great example, but I, I think, no, it's you, okay. I think well, you get well, what I'm saying.
1: Well, that I think is why I hold that there is no excuse for arguing about diversity. There should always be it no matter what, because right. if you, if, if you are a straight white man and everything has always been catered to you and all of a sudden you have to take the one step, one step. Out of your comfort zone, the step right. that everyone else yep. already has to take when they read a book uh, with that main character that's not representing of them, but they're like, well, I'm going to root for them anyway because they're the hero. You know, I can, right. I can see bits of myself, uh, because, you know, there, there should be an element of, not should be, but like, th- there's usually an element of universality to, uh, to every story. Like everyone right. to a certain, you should most of the time be telling a story that for the most part people will, relate to on some level yeah Yeah. it's more about the story than the characters but the characters are telling the story and they are a crucial element of it and uh yeah it's it's i i love stories they're extremely important to me they're extremely important to both of us which Mm -hmm. is why we're making this podcast in the first place that's true um and i could talk about them forever uh but we're already at almost three hours of, of this recording but I, i'm oh, really shit. glad I have a wife we, yeah no, no you're right. Right. Like, i have a whole other life outside of this <laughs> what the heck right. i don't just talk about no. Sherlock Holmes homes all day i actually have to go feed my cats yeah we'll wrap up yeah. there
0: uh listeners thank you for joining us let's great though okay nick we fucked up because we what came happened? back from our hiatus with the valley of fear and we didn't do huxtables for either episode Oh shoot, we did it. Um we did I think it. we didn't we have somebody for Valley of Fear? We uh, did not. We had we had Andrew we Dorsey for three Gyaradebs.
1: Yeah. Who who got the are you talking about the Huxtable? Are we as are we are we bestowing it now?
0: I don't think so. I think we'll no. we'll have to we'll have to think about that and and come back. But okay. who gets your Huxtable uh here in this story? For this story. Um Mycroft for leaving his house. <laughs> That's pretty good. This is some bullshit. I don't like right? this. <laughs> yes. You know That's he didn't want to do that,
1: but he did for his brother. That's Anything for you, good. Sherlock? <laughs>
0: My Huxtable has to go to, uh, the little Swiss messenger boy in Moriarty's yeah. employ because <laughs> I want more about <laughs> this, this criminal little blonde child. <laughs> right?
1: Like, it has to be a kid. How is a kid working for, I imagine him as being like a respected member of Moriarty's. Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. Like, even like a lieutenant. a lieutenant or something, right? Yes. But he's like 11 and everyone's just like automatically defers to whatever he says, but it's just this child. Like, who are you? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs>
0: Me too. I want yeah. to know more about that guy. <laughs> well, all right. Those are our Huxtables. Uh let me let me bring up the canon here. Yeah. I'll Do go we want to and... go
1: ahead and read the return story next? The empty house? Oh sure. Yeah. Where homes comes back just for continuity's sake. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. so we'll read the right. empty
0: house. There's your home's work for next time. Yep. kids uh go ahead and shout at us at Twitter you can find us at the final podblum we've actually contrary to uh the conclusion we came to in the discussion we just had the, the the section of the Sherlock Holmes fandom that we have in our Twitter fan base is actually very wholesome right <laughs> we <laughs> found we
1: found them we found them we found the good <laughs> ones uh
0: yeah you can go listen to the Watsonian weekly uh by such good good cats as Brad Kefauver Robert parrott and uh Paul Thomas Miller I hope I got all three of your names right Right? you're all cool dudes um they such take a, a look at show. it's a really good show they go and I see here's it. the thing like i i'm having a lot of fun doing this show with you and i'm really enjoying reading the sherlock holmes i cannot imagine caring about anything as much <laughs> as <laughs> they care so hard they it's, care so much about johns watson uh, and i also, love them there's such
1: it. a perfect balance between they're, ex- they're so serious about it, but also don't take themselves too seriously. and it's, yeah, they're That's a hard pulse. balance to strike, but they do it. It's great.
0: It's real good. Their full audio production of The Blue Carbuncle uh, this past Christmas was a friggin' delight. Go listen mm. to the Watsonian Weekly. It's uh, amazing. You can go listen to our friends over at Good Game, Great Game. They have been our podcast bros uh, literally as long as our show has been up. Um, our friend Andrew Orsi, who visited with us for the Three Gear Debs episode, is Nate over there and they talk about video games in a way that is very intelligent and good please do find us at the final podblum on twitter we would love to hear your thoughts about fandom and about this story and all the symbolism we missed and also uh what the snack bar is like at the real reichenbach falls you can <laughs> if you should like to you can go to patreon.com slash semi auto magic which is the name of our podcast network and if you feel like uh like uh, flipping us five bucks a month, you can get these episodes most of a week early when I'm able to edit them by Thursday. We try to to build up a little stock. Um, Mm -hmm. And also you get exclusive pre-shows wherein we talk about Pokemon and how celebrities have disappointed us recently and also our cats. It's pretty good stuff. Um, again, you know, it, it feels kind of gross to shill for money. Like, it costs money to make a podcast. If you can do it, that's awesome. Don't worry about it if you can. not Don't just worry about it. it, it yeah, I get fine. it.
1: I, yeah, I'm also broke. We're all good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We no, doing, we we're doing, doing this, this for fun. fun. Yeah. You can email us at the final at gmail.com. We would love to do a mailbag episode if ever we get enough mail to do so. Mm-hmm. So there, there's the gauntlet yep. thrown down, <laughs> folks. That's on send you us guys. Questions and thoughts. Yeah. Go ahead and read, um, The Empty House. That's what it's called, Nicholas. Yep. Yeah, read the the empty empty house house for next time. Uh, we'll see you then. And until then, just, I'm not gonna tell you not to go chasing waterfalls. I'm just gonna ask you to be careful when you do so. It it could be dangerous. Exactly. (laughs) Just consult a professional. Just consult TLC before attempting (laughs) (laughs) any waterfall adventures. (laughs) Bye all our buddies. We love you. Bye. Thank you for listening. This week we read The Final Problem, where we find out when they said don't go chasing waterfalls, they meant it.
1: <laughs> yes! <laughs> you do the game as what? a foot. Okay, I'll do the game as a foot. Okay, and then you'd just be like, and this is Nick Cohen, who, like, but you used to do that.
0: <laughs> well, okay, yeah. You can introduce me, <coughs> and then I'll introduce you, and that way we'll just trade pants.
1: <laughs> the game is afoot, all my buddies. Welcome back to the final problem, the final problem, mm-hmm. <laughs> where are <Nope>. we no. <laughs> almost. <laughs> all right, I got it. I got it. All right, here we
0: go.
1: <laughs> <coughs> oh man, <coughs> <laughs> that's it. That's the intro. We're not recording anything, yep. it's just going to be me coughing and then we hop into the episode. Yep. No, um, <clears throat> okay. The game is afoot, oh, nope, mm, hold on, I got this, I got this. <laughs> who was that? <laughs> I, I don't know, who was he? Get out of here! Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sir! <laughs> get out of here, evil Nick! We are making a program! <laughs> Go shave your goatee somewhere else. Alright. <laughs> so... Okay. So you'll do the game
0: as a flip (coughs) and then introduce me And then I'll introduce you back And then we'll put on the correct pants Okay, alright, I like this Let's see here just gonna delete all of these Dungeons and Dragons PDFs That I downloaded illegally (laughs) Let's see here You wouldn't download a dungeon You wouldn't (laughs) download a dragon
1: (laughs) Do you know me? (laughs) I would download five dragons, <laughs> ride them off into the sunset. New stinger, fuck the cops. <laughs> oh I'm really, God. I'm really going for it this time. You're gonna get, you're gonna nail it. Do it, because I like doing it. It's fun. I don't get to do it very often, so it's like, I know special treat.
0: Give you more responsibility around here. Nick Won't can you?
1: have a little introduction as a treat. <laughs> Okay. All right. Uh, Okay. All memes aside. the game is afoot all my buddies welcome back to the final pod pod the final pod blum i'm your host sometimes nicholas cohen i'm your co-host nicholas co cohen nope that no i'm sorry <laughs> sorry i'm firing myself
0: <laughs> the gag reel just gets fatter by the it minute it <laughs> just
1: it's gonna be longer than the episode at this point